Hello and welcome to Euphoria episode 13. This is the final episode of the spring season available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and SoundCloud. I'm here, Cajal's here, and our special guest for today, none other than famous emo singer, Andrew Vedius Day. I'm sitting next to him to make sure he behaves. Yeah, he's out of control. I feel like I'm on the Cajal stream, but in real life. Yeah, kind of. What do you mean Cajal stream? Well, we basically made your stream together when you think about it. Right, go on. Yeah, because like, <laughs> where's it going? You, you let him, you're you're I, the. If we think about it, you're like the face, right? But I'm really the brain. You know, okay. Uh-huh. I'm kind of what turned your stream into the magic that it is. Right. When you think about it, okay. This I is... mean, if it wasn't for me every now and then coming in, and you know. So why doesn't the brain move on and make a new face? Because <laughs> I'm happy with my face. Oh yeah. <laughs> you're like a puppet on a string for me that I, you know. You're I just dangling you me around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you just uh, whisper in his ear. Keep playing solo. Cue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're no, gonna, you're, in, you're he, eventually going to get challenged. Just eventually, keep doing eventually it. I taunted him the other day and I said, you know, Mark, you always hit this 500 LP wall. every On 80 carry, when you were doing that climb to challenge, your 450 LP. To Top be fair, lane, Kai, this, guy, LP. this guy stuck in plat one talking about the 500 LP. <laughs> it doesn't LP matter wall. about me. Like, again, look, he's deflecting. Again, it's a typical move by politicians. You wow. know what I mean? Oh my God, I bet you're coming in hot today. I was going to ask you what emo subject do you want to sing about but i don't even need that right it's now it's not about me mark it's about you okay like i'm not trying to overcome any walls okay i don't so, need challenger so the absolute the absolute <laughs> the absolute acrobatics happening right now betty your stream due to me but it's not about me despite the fact that i made it about myself it's about you mark the, that's genius. exactly what it is genius yeah, Daniel, if you if you spell uh, it out for him i can't i know but i'm, just, I'm no. just saying i'm just like you're just you're you're making magic happen here that's what i do Have you considered making propaganda for yeah. a living, perhaps. You are, it's oof. called the LEC. So <laughs> every time so, I predict an EU team no. to win. Yes. Here's how I oh can convince God. you that LEC will win MSI. Let us begin. <laughs> Imagine guys, a world where no one else lag. gets a visa yeah. and it's just EU and NA at MSI. There, a I'm situation not sure even these days. We win yeah. that one. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, anyway, fun start to the stream. Oh God. I mean, stream podcast. Who are you? Um, Welcome to the yeah. like, Simmer. Simmer down. Simmer down. The water's at a boil, Betty. We gotta bring it down. Down. I got one of your VOD reviews up. It's very... In, uh, you great. don't even have audio. You, you can't even say hear endearing. what he's saying. Yeah, but I know what he's saying. You're looking at his, his face. Yeah. Yeah. Have you primed? No, Mark. We've had this conversation. This you guy. don't get my prime. This guy. You oh. don't get it. I, there's one exclusive prime that I'm allowed to give every month, and it doesn't go to you. I'm sorry. It goes to Hafu. I've been subbed to Hafu for four years now. I, he's not, he comes out of nowhere, thinks that he can suddenly get it. I will get I, that prime. I give it out willy-nilly <laughs> to anybody, usually to Medic or a random Apex streamer, but or occasionally Mark. reminder, you can use your free Twitch oh, prime God. to subscribe Wait, to We're not on his yeah. stream! <laughs> this is the propaganda. This is, what are you doing? Who are you? Yeah. Yeah. As a reminder, you can stream. subscribe <laughs> to the podcast on Spotify, also, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and SoundCloud. Yeah, Chill for the right that. thing. Vedius, it's a Wednesday morning. We're on a Euphoria podcast. And we're going to talk about the LEC. We're just going to take a smile. We're going to let it go. Time, guys. We're not going to talk up? about how Mark sprints it down on Ezreal as much as I would love to. We won that game. <sighs> you. Oh, okay, well, we'll talk about that later. We can bring that up on that game at some point. Anyway, <sighs> crazy um, Ezreal mean. As exciting as Mark's stream has been, the LEC has been even more thrilling <laughs> because out of nowhere, to the surprise of literally everyone, except for people with zero accountability on the internet <laughs> who want to pretend like BDS were your number one favorite for the entire year. Um, BDS beat the hell 
out of Vitality. They absolutely obliterated Vitality. My God, the most one-sided series we have seen. They have yet to lose a game in best ofs. Um, yeah, this was an insane way to end the weekend. 2 right? 2 2 BDS stands for Built Different Sucker. Sun. Sun. Built Different Sun. I like Built Different Sun. I'll take Built Different Sun. Yeah, you finished laugh over. That was good. They are Built Different. I don't know. That 3-0 was crazy. I was watching it yesterday. Um... BDS are very like a, they're almost like baby Genji. That's what I want to say. No, that's nice. Just why they're does everybody like, have to be a baby version of a Korean or Chinese? Can't they just say team? what they did well? Can't they just be because they play so similar? It felt like <laughs> the Genji. Like they're very slow paced, and all they will do is, uh, I mean, they have a really easy formula of mage mid, hyper carry bot. Their top jungler really interesting to me because they're like r- low resource and roam heavy. So Adam yeah. in the mid game, I watched his Darius. That guy never went to a side lane when Baron spawned. Nope. He would stand on Baron, just watch his AD carry farm midwaves for five minutes while his bot tower is dying and just refuse to care. And he would just group up no matter what all the time. It was really crazy. That game three where G2 had just like was up like 2.5k on both mm. their side laners. G2. It's G2. Vital. I'm just so used to perks on <laughs> G2. Vitality. Excuse me. Yeah, Thank yeah. you, buddy. Um, 2.5k up on their side laners. Taking tier twos for free. I'm like, and then BDS, despite that, are just taking mid prio and being like, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, it's interesting because game one, just going through the games, game one, the game was pretty even. Like Photon recovered so much because Adam would just sit mid and eventually yeah. he had like a gold lead and a shutdown. All that happened was Perks gets caught on a side lane. They get Nash, the game's one. That's it. Yep. They just wait for one mistake and they, they pounce really quickly. And when it came to like game two, uh, they feel like Vitality's draft was just awful or not awful. It like it didn't I really mean, feel didn't like, like it could win. draft game one either. The Akshan counterpick did not succeed that tower did a lot of damage though i will say i'm True. still thrown by Don't how much when he tried to get the execution yeah what it just <clears throat> also like 500 hour damage the, the last thing i'll say about uh, Vi- uh sorry bds is adam is like the the mid to late game roamer who drops sideways yeah. but also shio in the early game this guy doesn't farm like i watched him play wukong he did red raptors grump ran into the enemy jungle found bow hit him didn't do his blue or his wolves went to the other side of the jungle to find him again stared at him for one minute and then disappeared. So I was wondering. I like, loved that from him, though. Yeah, no, it was re- it's really good. What he does, all he does is because he has a mage mid and a hyper carry AD, all he has to do is match jungle the whole game. And as long as he knows where jungle is, those lanes will scale in isolation and they can't be punished. So let's take, for example, game two where they're playing uh, Lee Sin Annie against yeah, Cassio. He just he followed setup. Lee Sin. Just follow Lee Sin everywhere. Cassio can push, no one's under threat. You're playing Aphelios into Nautilus, exact same thing. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, one of the things we talked about a lot on the cast was uh, how insane the vision control was. They always put wards in really weird places. I don't know if you guys noticed, but like they would, um, when they were setting up for Baron, they warded mid lane. They warded, but they don't just ward like in the middle of it. They'll put like two wards just randomly. Like they'll put one like in the wolf pit and then like over the wall just outside of that little pixel brush uh, as you go into yeah. uh, bot side blue entrance jungle. Um, and they just put wards kind of randomly so that they always have information. And like, it's it's really good. They, they're really smart with their setups. Like, they are a very objective focused team. We memed a lot about like their dragon priorities going into the, the yeah. series and that they were like 16 and zero across the last four games. And uh, I see what you mean in terms of the comparison with Gen G. Cause I remember in the cast thinking to myself, they're so strong, just do Baron. Like the, yeah. the, 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 you can just, the, the way you want is you want them to come into you. So just do the Baron, have them come to you. And they were like, no, no, we're, we're exactly. fine. Yeah. We're chilling. We, yeah. we, like, there's no way, like the longer this game goes, even if like, there's a chance that they can come back, the goal difference is too big that like, we're also farming at the same rate. And, yeah. um, yeah. um, have and you ever seen Haikyuu? 
No, I haven't seen IQ. You've I haven't seen, seen IQ. It. I haven't seen Blue Lock. Oh, and I know I'm you're sad. trying to sell me on the no, sports no, no, anime no, no, right no. now. No, but like, uh, I'm sad because um, I think of I. <laughs> I was trying to find like different ways to explain BDS. Yeah. Um, and Haikyuu is like a really good example for me, mainly because like the way volleyball works, right? Is you have a setter, right? You have an ace. Right. By the way, this is my favorite favorite Betty fun fact is that he knew nothing about volleyball, nothing. watched this anime, and, and then became obsessed, obsessed with volleyball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I became obsessed with professional volleyball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, anyway, continue your but, volleyball. But the setter, basically, their responsibility is that, like, they set the ball to people who then shoot the ball over the net, right? That's yep. their core principle. Um, and I think of people like Sheo and Lebrov as your core setters, the people that basically set the ball for everyone else. But wait, isn't there, a, isn't there the one that does this, who, like, hits the ball to begin with? And then the setter, and then... There's the, a well, setter, there there's is. a spiker, and there's a... What's the third one? Well, so? like, there's the, um, there's the person that can't actually take shots, and I've unfortunately forgotten the name, but they basically play defense. Yeah. Um, they always set the That's back. Adam, I think. Um, well, no, actually, I was going to call or Adam, Brownie. like, the reason why Haikyuu specifically is important is because the main character in Haikyuu, he's this wild card that's, like, super unpredictable <laughs> that you you just have no that's idea Adam. what he's going to do. That's Adam. And Adam. that's Adam. Like, Adam to me has always been the wild card. And that's not to say that he's like, because um, I think he's been very consistent this split. Uh, but he he's unpredictable. You yeah. can't you can't really know what he's gonna do, and he's a very difficult man to follow. So when I think of Crown Shot as like the ace of the team, the man yeah. that you mainly set the ball to, the man that mainly takes the shots, um, you always have Adam who you can always pass the ball to, like at random times during the series. You don't expect to pass the ball to him, but he's like he's he's with his drafts, with the way that he plays the map, with the overall yeah. his impact on the team. Like they have such a great balance. It's it's yeah. it's beautiful. I I think it's it's really fun to watch. Well, I think. Honestly, I think that individually, I felt like the start of winter was way better for Adam. Like, I think way better individually. But what you're talking about where he's willing to sack waves, where he's a more creative player, like the the glow up on Adam from the last time we saw him in the LEC to where he is now is outstanding because mm. now he's retained so much of what made him him, which is a lot of unique picks, a lot of champions that he will play in kind of a weird off-kilter style. But he does it in a way that's like, oh, I don't demand attention. I don't need anything special from you. I'm going to play Darius and I'm going to guarantee a level of impact, which is like the whole reason nobody plays Darius, right? Mm -hmm. Is because like this champion has such a hard time having guaranteed value in a draft. But despite that, Adam has found a way to consistently like by dropping waves, by conceding towers, create pressure on the map with a champion who for most people when they're not fed or shutting down a lane opponent as a counterpick looks useless. Like what, it looks like it does nothing. What I will say is like that th this isn't like a new evolution of Adam. He did do a lot of these things when he was on Fnatic as well. Like we still remember like the level three Rome's mids. Sure. You know, where he would, yeah, set. He, he did a bunch of crazy stuff as well. I actually just think that he's found an environment where like, kind of like Yike in some senses where he's come to the team and saying like, hey everyone, this is how I like to play. And yeah. then they've just found a way to kind of cater to it and enable it. Yeah. And the fact that he can quite confidently just blind pick Darius and the team finds ways to enable it. And it's not like that they're funneling loads of resources into him either, right? But um. I think, I think that he's just become a lot more aware. His his general game knowledge has improved. His roam timings have gotten better. There you and go. like the that's things, the big thing for it's, me. It's not that like because I, I still think Adam was good when he was on Fnatic, right? That team we praised him a lot. Like his whole pentakill on Darius. It yeah. wasn't like that. He never had the ability no, no, no. to be I think that big the volatility carrier, right? was the thing. No, is that I now agree. Adam feels like a reliable factor again the reliability mm. is what's there it's not that he didn't drop waves it's not that he didn't make plays it's that usually he did it in a way that cost him something or they gave sure. up something they couldn't afford to lose or was honestly a liability at times yeah sure but, i do think there's a weakness in bds if you actually watch their games really closely because what happens is you know how he talked about they won't start baron and like wait for you to walk in they'll wait for something to happen then they'll yes. start baron so adam is over grouping on baron all the time obviously he's like playing no tp darius right yeah, he wants yeah. to make sure he's there 
So when Perks overstays top and they get the pick, that's when they'll start it. But the fact that he's there all the time means they constantly have to go in there and get vision. Yes. All the meanwhile, he's losing bot towers. Now, yeah. normally Darius into Fiora, into things like Camille, he can win that matchup really easy because if you give him resources, he's just a stronger bruiser. So he kind of nullifies them in the early stages so that they're not like a, a hyper carry in the later game. And then that makes it so you can't really pick that if he blinds Darius. You yeah. can't pick Fiora and stuff. So you can't actually punish side lanes. But if you watch their games, their solo lanes are down one or two K gold because the control mage can't match a split pusher. Yes. Yep. And the Darius is roaming. So if you see their game one where Akshan almost ends the game bot, they have a really big side lane weakness, I think, where yes. if you get counterpicked by the Darius with an Akshan or like someone who's confident enough to play Fiora, yeah. go even and then let him overgroup, you can actually really punish but their side lane. They lost both their tier twos no, no, in no. two or three of those games in like 18 minutes. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think the thing for me is part of the reason why this is going to feel so good and so impactful in Europe is because the top lane pool just isn't as oppressive. Yeah. There aren't like... Which is surprising considering it was Photon. Yeah, but <laughs> the fact that Photon is on paper Probably the best, best top yeah. laner yeah. in our league, right? And Adam succeeded yeah. against that team. Now, Vitality, I think, had other issues. I think they still are showing signs that in really tense moments, they're not all on the same page. Like Vitality is not a perfect team. So it's not entirely that photon couldn't have done this maybe like if the team was playing a bit better together photon could have generated larger advantages but the fact that they gave photon counterpick multiple times mm. and despite that adam's strategy still worked out means that for me if they make it to msi sure we can talk about how this might be mm. a problem but for lec for domestic competition yeah but if yeah. i'm if i'm vitality i'm looking at that series i'm thinking like if we ban darius olaf on four five and force a, a scion blind and we're just paying fiora hullbreaker on side lane, this is probably the biggest way we can blow the game open. Because if you watch uh, the LPL, small example, you watch their finals, Bin is playing Fiora like two or three games. And as much as he looks useless, he's playing Hullbreaker, but 369 manages him really well. Like he'll yeah, make yeah. sure his sides are caught or sides are pushed. Um, because what LPL does is they insta force Baron and then Gragas will TP in or he'll yes. push out bot and they'll force Baron yeah. with that turn. Instead, BDS don't actually force with their turn. They wait. And once you make the mistake, then they'll make the, the play happen. Whereas, like I said, you know, the reason I will push out bot, move up, start Baron because he's going to take our side lane towers. Yeah. If and you don't actually force that play, it can get quite complicated because you then have to go back bot. And if you don't, then you lose your tower. I think and it's, now, so I, so I, I also just want to quickly jump in and say like, because from a viewer's perspective, some of you might, or listeners rather, I should say, uh, some of you might be like, why are you all just now trying to criticize and terrify <laughs> BDS? So like one of the luxuries of being one when you end up being the top team in Europe, analysts start trying to find problems with you rather than yep. like yeah, the yeah, things yeah, that yeah. you do it's, well. Yeah. And it's 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 a very interesting thing for BDS because for a long time we've been talking about like, oh, here are all their strengths rather than like trying to find obvious weaknesses. Yeah, the second you um, become the top dog, the, the second, story becomes how do you beat the dog? Yeah, exactly. yeah, I just wondered and, how they did. I just looked at them. And it's uh, and like again, we, we we don't wanna just come in <laughs> we don't want to make you think that we now think that BDS is bad or they have all these no, problems. BDS is very yeah, good. Very good. They they have right now they look like the front one is to to win the split, which is great for them and that's fantastic, right? Um but it was one of those things where the second that you start talking about their team in its entirety, like we start to spot weaknesses and we start to think, but we are thinking purely from a perspective of international competition, which No, like, sure, but even even domestically, right? Even when a fan wants to watch bds or whoever the top dog is right now it's bds there should be things that you can look for in a gameplay mm. it's it's uh, how like unfun is a game when you're just like they have no weaknesses <laughs> yeah <laughs> good luck you, you always sure. want to nitpick the weaknesses but they're so unique like there's no other team in europe that plays like them there's the other Bro. teams across the world that's but, why gen g was like a yeah, minor yeah, yeah, comparison yeah. but like they're playing their own game and i remember early spring splits when they were playing darius and olaf other top planers were like let's play darius and olaf as well you know photon was playing olaf as well i think there was other top yeah. players like bb i think playing darius and stuff and, and i wonder if they looked at bds and scrims and were like this playstyle works maybe we should try it and no one really olaf stuck was with also it. just really i think powerful on the on oh the yeah patch. it was really broken i mean but i i 
I'm always reminded, and maybe this is unfair because like my knowledge of LPL's history like isn't insane. Yeah. But like BDS remind me a lot of when like Yagao won LPL yeah. and how like no one rated Yagao as the top mid laner in the league. And like even now Yagao made another final on a different team. We don't talk about that final though. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about that. Yeah, sure, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. No, it's totally fair. Like and um but the um it's one of those things where you don't always need everyone to be the best in their role to to win, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I still remember EDG. No one thought Flandre was the best top laner in the world when EDG won How Worlds. How dare you? How <laughs> dare you? That man played Graves for, like, 30 games. But those teams <laughs> always have, like, those star players. And to me, like, Labrov is insane. Yeah. Okay, again, yeah, yeah, yeah. The bot is lane is really madman, insane. And I think that that's the beauty of BDS. Like, it, their bot lane is incredibly good. I think Sheo knows exactly what his role and responsibility on the team is. And while I think that, to a degree, their solo laners have their weaknesses, I think that what the dynamic and the chemistry of the team needs... They fit perfectly, and so they just they they set up the team and for success. Again, it feels like us. I think like a broken record, but just to make it clear to anybody at home who has not heard it, Crowny, hands down the best scaling, best team fighting eighty carry in our league at this level. Performing his positioning is incredible. Lebrov is a great support, and he is most certainly the best Thresh and the best Renata in oh, our yeah. league. His Renata against SK, his Thresh in his best of five. His Thresh is disgusting uh, you can watch the bot lane play where they in game three where they finally kill crown shot but he mikhail's a gnar wallop and gnar hides oh, the yeah. w the with the e cancels. he does the animation cancel which is really hard to react to and then lanterns him out of the yeah. gnar ultimate and it, it doesn't even end there like the tom kench you know he eat, he ate crowny on a flash tibbers yeah on the spot he also hooked upset three times to get Blind his hook all the three time. times. Two times upset had cleansed. The third time he, he didn't, and then they instantly fight. won the fight. And also, there was one um, there was one incident on mid where it's like game one, you know, nothing yep. really happened. He ganked mid from top side when Shio was hovering on bot side on a oh, ward yeah, that was and like hit the hook gang. on a level six yes. Ari. Level three, no, level, yeah. Yeah, he oh, was level yeah, three yeah, with a four mid. Where he yeah, roamed yeah. around the top side yeah, of the lane and yeah, killed yeah, level yeah. six Ari and that just won mid lane for Oriana. Like the things this guy is doing, I think he should... This might sound a bit... No, I think he should have got MVP for that series, but yeah. Crowny still played insane. Crowny, Don't get me wrong. Like, Crowny's yeah. a monster in team fights. His, I, his, his way... Sorry to just finish no, it no, up, no, no. but when he plays Jinx Aphelios, his way of like... What happens is a fight starts, someone gets really low and they back off. Crowny always looks at the lowest target, even if they're really far away and somehow just gets them with like an Aphelios Q and Aphelios Resets, ult, a Jinx yeah, ult, yeah. and gets like a, a big kill on Man's top fights, on bot fights. Like, um, the amount of times I've seen him clean up. And this is what I have to say is that my fear for the LEC is that like LeBrov is insane on Thresh like LeBrov is great if you are not LeBrov please don't pick Thresh because this champion made these statements because, <laughs> because this is one of those champions where you watch a montage game like this and you're sure. like wow Thresh is great and I'm like no 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 stop 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 right now like Thresh is great in this hyperscaling meta but I've watched so many Threshes pick Thresh I fall mean, behind sure. a little bit I mean, sure. and do piss off so I just want to put it out there <laughs> it's interesting because but it, like I, that's, am I saying like you give it the same argument which is like Mickey's Nautilus after seeing Mickey's Nautilus don't anyone else play no, Nautilus no, 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 no. <laughs> because there's a difference right because Nautilus has again a really high floor in terms of champion output. I mean, sure. Thresh has a really Thresh's floor is he does <laughs> nothing but yeah. lantern, <laughs> which is ninety oh percent of the Threshes <laughs> we see. I mean, like I appreciate how enthusiastic. I'm not gonna get on board. Like if if I I have full confidence in Mickey's Thresh. I have like Kaiser's Thresh. Maybe I'm not as sold on, but like um, actually, wait. Mickey's Thresh was not bad in the Mickey's Thresh. Not bad. I'm just saying this champion when you're ahead. It and what you're saying is it great. has a very high skill ceiling, high ceiling, and it has a low floor. Is the biggest concern. Yeah. This champion can do nothing. Most people aren't hitting blind Thresh hooks. They're throwing Thresh hook in the mm. mid game and getting nothing no, done. It, it's interesting because in that BDS series, just to wrap it up in the game three, I remember the the third the second time they pick thresh blinds 
even when Nautilus is up, Vitality's picked Braum into it because they were like, you know what? <laughs> we're not going to play Nautilus into trash. Like, even though it's Kai's Nautilus, we need Braum because I think they realized Maokai is a problem and Shio's yeah. Maokai is... I mean, I thought Maokai fell off the meta and in, in Asia, in like LPNLSK, Maokai also fell off a little bit, but Europe yeah. still loves Maokai. And I think it's just such an easy champ to like execute on. The if turn is insane. Yeah. You can even ult to finish Nash. You can it, ult for inhibs. You it can feels really good early game because you have reliable point and click CC. It gets worse as you go later in the game and people are actually setting up and you can see the Maokai coming, but the early ganks are good. The defensive ult is really good. If you're far enough ahead, you can use the ult kind of aggressively. Like it's just, it does, it gives you so much vision utility. I don't think that it's the best pick, but for the way BDS play, again, it is. It's so good for a team that wants to sit and scale because you can't really dive the mm. Maokai. You can't push your advantage too hard against the Maokai. It just won't work. The last thing I'll say as well, it's just why is, uh, why is Genji brought up when you talk about BDS. So Genji is a team that like when it comes to team fighting around Drakes, they will either take a fight where they'll be on an even footing, mm -hmm. or if they even think that it's probably remotely lost, they'll just run it down mid and just try to take towers for it. If for Drakes, BDS did the exact same thing. They they fought Drakes. They would go one for one. They would go two like two for one down, but get the Drake. And some Drake fights that looked a little sketchy, like maybe four or five examples you can find in that series against Vitality, yep. they would just go mid with Herald yeah. or without Herald, and they would just get tower, push out, take top vision, take top wave and base, and they would just slow the game down as much as possible because mage mid scaling AD, why do we need to yeah. take this? You know, I feel like a lot of teams in Europe have like Jinx uh, and, a, and a mage, and they're like, yeah, let's fight second Drake. Yeah, yeah, we can win. Yeah, yeah. oh crap, they have Ari Wuka. Oh, we're all dead. Crap, damn, we lost, yeah. you know? And so, I mean, we've talked a lot about BDS. I also think that like Vitality is the other side of the coin where I was kind of disappointed overall yeah. in Vitality. It's fair. I did enjoy the comment section where like people were just like, hey, babe, wake up. It's another Vitality collapse. And I, was, I was like, oh, no. Um, how many? How many? Oh, my God. Um, but uh, it was like I was going into that series. My prediction was 3-0, 3-1 for Vitality. Like, yeah. that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, I didn't think a 3-0 was possible for either side, to be fair. I thought four or five. But like, my, but I would have favored Vitality, too, to be my, clear. I didn't expect my BDS expectation was that like I thought the BDS was like. They come across as a team that's very one-dimensional in a sense that like you kind of know what they're going Crowny to do. will play a scaling 80 carry. Yeah, 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 right? That and is like, their plan. They play around objectives. Like they, they're very focused on making sure like, they secure early drakes. Like they will rotate for Herald. Like they'll contest for these things. Um, and so like in theory, I would imagine that a team like Vitality with how many options they have in draft, they would be able to um, answer yep. and like find ways to shut that down whether that be drafting scaling themselves or whether that be um, like drafting a really early game focused comp so they can shut that down and I think that in game one the whole idea was stronger skirmishing yep. sideline threat uh, have winning matchups where you can and then just kind of bully and I think perks in lane was fine I thought like the bot lane 2v2 was fine top lane was a bit shaky because photon lost the slash and ghost early but like outside of that, like they didn't do anything. And I think a large part of that was how you talked about it. Um, we talked about it on the cast, but how well Shale controlled Bo. Yeah. And then that makes me wonder, like, I mean, I wouldn't say that it was it's like a new discovery, but if Bo isn't doing things, can this team do anything? But a lot went wrong, right? Like, I think that's the big well, thing. Well, I would then bring into that, like, in my head, when I think of Mad Lion's glory days of Kaiser and El Yoya. Yeah. I remember like us constantly praising Kaiser that as was being the, sickest, the best. Yeah, like his Alistair, mm -hmm, his like mm -hmm. Nautilus, his was it his Rakan or am I confusing? Rakan him? was also good yeah. for him. But yeah, he I was, mean, he was a good engaged support. Player. He was yeah, he was an incredible engaged support player, right? And he was someone that had like a lot of presence on the map, had mm -hmm. really strong engages, and like I know in game one he was playing the Lulu right in game one. Um, yeah, 
But um, I which just, they drafted to win lane and then didn't really take over lane. But it was one of those things where I just I I feel like that I haven't felt the same level of presence, especially like mm-hmm. and and it's unfortunate for him when you especially it was Lebrov on the other side whose presence you actively felt the entire series, throughout the entire yeah. series, right? And and again, like you can put it down to the picks to a degree, and like I'll give him the benefit of the doubt in that space. But um, for me, I just think that that jungle support control is something that I think made Mad really successful. I think that when uh, Vitality look their best, it's when Bo is having unbelievable impact in terms of the early game, the team fights, and he kind of gets to play the way that he wants to. But if Bo is controlled, um, I feel like that they don't have any other source of of, Uh, of owning. A last point for me, because we've got the chance to talk about Vitality later, is I feel like Vitality always look their best, whether it's Bo. It Mm. could be Bo, but I think it could be anyone. I think if anyone on Vitality is really strong, really ahead in their lane, and the team can just play around that one person, they get way better. I mean, that's fair. Yeah, and I'll touch on it later as well when it comes to Vitality, but something Vitality love to do in the Mad series especially is they love to play around bots, right? They love to dive bot, they like to threaten dives, True. you know, yeah. they like to make sure things happen. But I think when it comes to BDS, they have a bit of a mismatch because you have the first five or six minutes where Sheo finds Bo, and then by seven or eight minutes, if you actually watch those three games, I think every game Crownie just lane swaps. He just pushes out once, lane swaps top and just starts laning top when Herald's about to spawn every single time. So the, the game never really feels like yeah. they can trade to the point where upset will get bot tower for Herald or they, they're kind of like forced to either fight or match and they just then if they basically gonna go back bot like the game never really becomes about diving yeah. bot. Crowny's really really good at just finding ways to just say like okay you need to clear your top camps get out of space and run top on this wave like it's not that bad for yeah. me. It's going to shake up the game a bit, but, you know, Photon's playing Akshan. If we play in against Akshan, we're going to be pretty fine. I mean, it's smart that they're comfortable adjusting lane assignments on the fly, that they're comfortable adjusting whether it's for Herald or to get them away from any potential bot dives, and certainly Vitality didn't feel ready for it. But that said, um, Vitality are still in it. We'll talk about them as well as the remaining teams in the top four in a little bit. But this weekend, Fnatic and SK eliminated at 7th slash 8th. Astralis Koi eliminated at 5th and 6th. So we're we're saying goodbye to four different teams, and it's kind of crazy because normally in best ofs when we see a team go say goodbye to a team it's like oh here goes one of our better teams but then i read this and i'm like that's seventh eighth on the old system fanatic yeah, and sk didn't eight. make playoffs but they were playing the best of threes and i'm like wow these teams could make a run you know when we saw them and so it's kind of wild two to think chances. About it yeah it's it's kind of crazy this new format makes me always get hyped about the top eight like they're like the best representatives of our region i'm like wait there's eight of them there's so many yeah and I think it's uh, Fnatic, while they tried to rally, couldn't get a lot done. SK kind of just collapsed, it felt like. But I'm curious if there's any of these teams that surprised you a lot, like positive or negative, where you caught off guard. Because um, for me, like I was really surprised by Astralis just kind of blowing up. In hindsight, now it yeah. makes sense, you know what I mean? But I was really caught off guard by that series where they just didn't really play uh, the game against what, Matt. What the hell happened to 113? Can we just like talk about it? Like they finished second place. I saw a stat somewhere that 113 was like three he, and 20 yeah, in his best like of threes. He had like a gajillion yeah. jungle and proximity. He was everywhere all the time. Super high impact early game. But this guy got caught every game, no matter what. Like I'm just going to read out his scores in the best of three. 2-7-0-8-0-8-0-7. That was his four games in the best of threes, right? And if you actually watch the games and just ignore the deaths... This guy is just walking into Drake's as if he owns the whole yeah, place. Yeah, that really annoyed me. And getting caught mad. and dying, giving up objectives, like giving up Nashes. Like, it was abysmal. It really was. And I, I mean, I knew 113 was a bit of a volatile player, but that level of performance that he brought to playoffs was, was terrible. I mean, I was listening to Yamato, where like, before we got into the best of threes, where he was even talking about how he could see an argument for 113 being 
the best performing jungler of the regular season. Yeah. Right. And it's one yeah. of those situations uh, where like, and he's like, and and like, I'm not trying to put words in his mouth that specifically he said, I could see the argument, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that that was um, telling of, of, of 113's performance because I would very much agree with him. If someone were to sit there and tell me 113 is in my top jungles based on the regular season, like I could see where they were coming from yeah. and I would get it. Like you could have the debate about who was that top three or whether he did belong there. But the fact that he was in that conversation in the first place, I think was a surprise to many. So to then see him have the performance that he did was a little disappointing. That's why I'm critical because like, I agree, you know, he could argue that he was one of the best junglers, but then you go to the playoffs and he looks like one of the worst junglers in the league. Like yeah. the drop off is why it's such a thing you have well, to highlight because he, he actually, I just added up the the stats. He was two and 30 in terms of kill death in three, in four games, which is as a jungler, like as much as you're getting assists, yeah, like 30 deaths. And does it, do you guys feel like he just got figured out? Because I think one of the big strengths that pro players were praising him for was that like, he was just super creative and Astralis was specifically really creative on, bad, man. on getting like, level two ganks. <laughs> I I remember there was this one fight. I forget exactly who it was. Um, who did? The, oh, why have I forgotten? Mad. It was yeah. mad. He just they they walked into the river. He just walked in. There was two of them. There was him and his support. And his AD carry was there as well. And then his AD carry couldn't fight. Couldn't get in range. It, of course, it was Kobe. I think he was on Zyre as well. He just yeah. couldn't follow. And so he and his support just died. And I was just like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 What, what are you doing right now? Like, this doesn't make any and sense. One of the games I think he got... Inted by draft when he's playing like Maokai versus Trundle Brown, like yes. you can't uh, yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I wouldn't blame him if you went fifty death set game. Like yeah, you yeah, press yeah. W, you're not going anywhere. You're ulted, you're stunned, you're rooted, you're knocked up, you're dead, and you're pillared and stuff like this. So that's the one game I can. Yeah, excuse. there's always going to be to a degree context matters, right? But when you, it's the consistency. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's we, the type of consistency yeah, you, just, you don't want. We just pull one out for Kobe, I think, when it comes to Astralis. We just pull one out. Should we do a cheers to Kobe? Going up, Kobe. Cheers to Kobe. Cheers to Kobe. And Jonghoon, to be fair. And Jonghoon. Kobe and Jonghoon. We all just took a sip of coffee. I mean, I will also say that, like, I think that there's a lot of positives to take away from Astralis as a whole. I'm curious as to what they're going to do with the roster in summer, if they're yeah. going to keep it. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame them for I keeping it. I think they'll it. keep it, yeah. Yeah, because Lita would talked a lot about how he just wanted more time to gel with the team, get to know them, and now they'll have a lot of time to focus on the team, to figure out how and they want to play. the strong start of the season is better than Astralis have ever had historically. So it's like, I... You know, it's still on the upward trajectory, yeah. even if yeah, it's yeah, falling yeah. down you, the best of three. If you said Astralis fifth at the start of the year, pfft, yeah, love it. That's great. That's you insane. Know what I mean? yeah, Actually, sure, nuts. Sure. So, like, yeah, I think that uh, so shot, like they're obviously going to be really frustrated and disappointed with how things panned out. Yeah, but that's the nature of competition. The one player that did surprise me was Humanoid. Um, I think he played really well. Like he, across all of his yeah. across all of the Fnatic games, he he played insanely well both in lane and like how he played fights, his Lissandra games against, it was... Um, Astralis? It was Astralis, yeah. yeah. His Lissandra against the Astralis and then even against Mad. I think he just beat Niski every time, laning-wise specifically. Yeah. Um, obviously, like in terms of how the game ended up playing out, it was quite different. But um, individually, I think the Humanoid did have a good best of three or like group stage yeah um i just think it's worth noting because i think overall Fnatic did face a lot of struggles as yeah. a team like they uh while they were able to qualify for top eight to then finish where they well, finished is obviously going to be frustrating for a lot of those players yeah and if you watch the Fnatic episode or listen to the Fnatic episode of the podcast like they've dealt with so much like whatever you obviously there's a lot of drama around Fnatic, but then like on top of putting this roster together on a very short notice uh it, they went through covid in the regular season and they still managed to finish top eight and they still managed to have a pretty decent showing and i think that humanoid absolutely does deserve that recognition what always frustrates me about humanoid is it's like i just don't 
I don't know what the hell the variable is that makes him are the top two mid laner in our league or like the the it's, bottom two mid laner in our yeah, league. Like, agreed. how do you know? Yeah. And it's so, as a fan <laughs> yeah. who wants to watch great League of Legends, and especially if we go international again, like, I trust Humanoid internationally because he's just always shown up internationally for the most part, sure. right? But it's just like, why, you know why? why? What the hell is the, when, how do we flip the switch? You know, when, how do we get God mode Humanoid, Super Saiyan Humanoid versus like, Krillin humanoid. Yeah. How do we how do we know what we're gonna get? I think it's because humanoid uh, actually fails the eye test, which sounds a bit weird. But if you actually watch his Ari game, let's take the last Ari game where they could have ended the backdoor. Yeah. He charm flashes, misses onto Niski and dies. And if you take that as the context of the game, and that's the thing that you remind yourself of that he failed the flash charm at the end of the game, then you just think he's trash. But if you watch the rest of the game, he's playing like pretty good, you know. Yeah. And, and I, I also think like, makes... I can't blame him for taking that gamble when yeah, the game is just because right? he knows the game's lost and he needs I mean, to make a pick and they're grouped. So how do you make a pick yeah, if they're yeah, grouped? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, have yeah, to yeah, punish yeah. an overstep and yeah, he missed, yeah. right? Like he goes for the clutch play. Um, yeah, Fnatic Oscar kind of struggled a bit in playoffs. I think the Mordekaiser pick was just something. The Mordekaiser pick is bad. Didn't I forgot, man, that they were literally like a few hits of the Nexus of being... Yeah, they could they, have ended there. They could so. have ended there. Yeah. yeah. They they talked about it. Like, they made yeah. some mistakes. I think there's a... Like, I don't need to overanalyze that play. There's yeah. plenty of other yeah, people yeah, doing yeah. it for us. You can go check it out if you want. But they could have ended the game. Yeah, and uh, Nightshare said in his interview... Uh, I think it was like a week or two ago, he says that Humanoid is probably one of the best players he's ever seen in his life in scrims or something like this. So yep. there's obviously like that level of Humanoid that you can't see or we can't see or like the public can't see. Uh, and you get, and to, again, you get glimpses of it. Exactly. You get these moments of absolute brilliance and then uh, th that's what's frustrating, right? And yeah. I think that I want to see that Humanoid all the time uh, or as much as possible. Yeah. You know, don't want this man to like burn out. But at this point, you're not playing on you know, mad anymore qualifying for every international event. You're you're playing yeah. four weeks and you're going and home. So. I, I also think patch changes hurt the teams a bit. Uh, last thing I'll say about Fnatic is just, I think that their AD meta read was a bit weird. Severe Varus, when I think Jinx Aphelios are broken, like yeah, yeah, just yeah. a bit of a struggle. I think if they picked up Jinx earlier, they could have won a lot more of these games because you could see what Karzi does. Like this champ yeah. is just OP, I think, especially in slower games and in scaling games. Sure. But the patch changes hurt a few teams. I feel like the Azir changes just kicked a few teams down. Yeah, like, I think Fnatic fair. struggled with the Azir changes. Koi yeah. struggled with the Azir changes. For sure. Like, having a blind pick, power pick mid that will never get banned, that you can just pick on one, two, three, that doesn't really have many counters. And that disappearing hurts a couple teams, especially, yeah. Larson, uh, honestly, Humanoids. God bless, but yeah, it does hurt some teams. Yeah. Azir is so dumb. It's just like, why does every other control mage have to wait for you to do anything before they play League of Legends? Oh, yeah, but this guy, he's the emperor, so he can also just insect people. Yeah. Like, oh, sick, great. You know, like, why does that champion get to I exist the in pro? They, they designed it in a sense of, like, he's a champion that can, like, peel for himself. Yeah, peel, and he makes a little army and he defends himself, and it's like, nah, he go in. Yeah. He go in. I don't know if you got pro players on the balance team, but we got we got him here in the LEC. Yeah. We got him international. I still yeah. remember the yeah. first time someone did the, the charade, like, the full shuffled like the tokyo drift thing into the shrima yeah, shuffle yeah probably faker yeah don't know just gonna assume gonna give him that credit he's the goat no one will question me yeah uh, you know and you're just like ah i see he's not just a control mage sick yeah, yeah. Sick, sick. Cool, i think that's cool. a valid point i didn't think about that to be honest like uh because patch changes like to me it didn't feel that dramatic in terms of like what changed yeah. but losing that mid control mage I think for people... some teams, they, they it's a crutch. I think you can say in that like um, sometimes, I mean, you, you, you've you probably experienced this firsthand where sometimes you realize you're a struggling team. So, the, so that you become like 
you start putting band-aids on, right? Oh, yeah. Like you start just plastering where you can, like maybe your top liner doesn't have all the champions that he needs in the meta. So you start like first picking things that like, even though if it's not optimal, you want to make sure that this player gets their champion so that yeah. at least it's like a safe blind. Um, and then if for whatever reason, the meta just literally makes it so that you can't play those champs anymore, then um, it's actually going to affect teams. Now, was that like super dramatic? Like you can debate. But I think it's a very valid point that uh, I think Azir losing Azir in pro play has a dramatic effect on the mid lane meta and sure, on the pro sure, meta. Regardless sure. of which teams it affects more, there's no way you cannot say that yeah, Azir is a yeah. huge variable. And you can also get stuck, like Azir is one of them. Like Lucian Nami is something that I don't know if we'll talk about now or later, but you, like some teams just get stuck to comfort. And as much as things get changed, like they're like, yeah, we'll just play uh, Lucian Nami. Another example is Jax, where I think like Oscar in the last game like tended towards Jax, even the, the later end of the groups. Yep. Um, and BB was the biggest Jax player in, in the LEC, I think. Irrelevant yeah, like, was another big Jax yeah, player. But they actually yeah. dropped it. They were like, you know, this changes. Maybe I don't like it too much in the blind, but yeah, Fnatic still stuck with it. I feel like comfort is really easy to go into. Uh, but the last thing I'll say about that Band-Aid problem, let's say you don't play Sion or like Orin and it's a tank meta. You either learn it and you get bullied into learning it, <laughs> or as long as you can play the counters, it's fine, you know? Yeah. Right. So we can never blind top, which sucks because maybe you want to save last pick for like mid or something and we have to last pick top now. But a Band-Aid solution example is like, we can't play Sion. Okay, we can play Aatrox. So we're gonna have to go R5 Aatrox most games, which means we can't counter pick support, which means bottle probably lose, but this is our only way of making it so we can play against yeah. Sion. You know? right. Yeah, coming into draft it. at a deficit like that is so, because sometimes it's hard for the audience to see too. Cause like when you go into interviews, you don't say, oh yeah, he can't play Orn. Yeah. <laughs> you go, well, we just really feel like he's good about <laughs> Sion. You know, you know what I mean? Like you can't, you don't want to give away your strat, but like all the teams know, most of the analysts know, but you're not gonna yeah. admit like, yeah, our players are just like, again, shout out to Han Salman, like 2018, 2019 we were like yeah we really think he's good on draven the quiet part of that sentence was he can't play mages <laughs> yeah and like bin bin woke up well there's a red thread bin woke up at like 7 a.m he's playing like chogath Cassante, scion or in every single game now to prepare for msi because he can't yeah. play tanks because he i plays guarantee counters. in that last game he said coach trust me and they said we do and yeah. he did nothing <laughs> he did nothing yeah and then they're like okay well you lost the voyager buddy so yeah. you're gonna have to pay us back with these and uh tanks this is the example is why flexibility in draft so op like if you can flex flex everything till five and just keep yeah. everyone guessing and you don't have to like save counter pick because you don't play sure. x or y then yeah yeah, yeah there's, i think there's two versions of being strong in draft and one is the meta really favors the way you want to play the game and two is like you're absolutely comfortable just and adjusting to anything comfortably brings us on to sk because when i think i'll always remember this when i think of peak sk it was markoon on elise diving for his bot lane yep Markoon on Maokai diving, diving for, for his bot lane. lane and it was just that beautiful setup of we have a stacked wave we're gonna dive bot exakick and uh, Das yeah. doesn't matter they're getting 2v2 kills they're getting jungle pressure like they're getting everything um, but exakick had a rough had a rough season. Uh, I think got a rough season. Das had a rough season. I mean, team play, especially in their first series. This was, again, I've called this out before, but the, the Rumble Wukong game where they're just throwing random alts where Das is engaging by himself and then everyone says, I, can't, oh, I guess we're also going in, so I'll just throw down a Rumble alt five seconds later and like, okay, well, the Rumble alt's gone, so now it's time to Wukong alt, I guess. Like, yeah. Then Nautilus will go in. Because they even in. drafted a composition that should keep things like, Pretty simple. I still think Wukong could be a yeah, difficult Ari, champion. Wukong, Nautilus, yeah, but Rumble. They, yeah. yeah, Rumble. And it's just like push your R buttons together. You'll be fine. You know, it'll work. One, two, two three. three. And Go. then it was just <laughs> completely different directions. You know? So <laughs> yeah. I was 
Yeah, SK, I think free fall. I'm just kind of sad because I was excited. You know? I was like excited the rise too. Of the rookies, they had great the, personalities. It was we also talked like to them a, a lot last a season. Similar it was story so cool for to BDS see. as yeah. well, like where they a team that was heavily underrated to then have them fall the way that they did. Um, and they didn't have like an easy path. In hindsight, you look at it, they play against BDS, who's now in the finals. Yeah. And then they went into our top G2. performing team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. really had to like prove themselves fast, you know? Yeah. Um, and obviously, that is from a perspective of hindsight in the moment. Like, that's one of those things where you could sit. I know I remember a lot of people being like, why did BDS choose um, SK? Was that really the best team for them to choose? And people were saying, like, well, they had I don't remember. We talked about it on the podcast, but I don't remember what. I remember us being close in predictions there. And I might have even leaned SK at the time. Yeah, I think. In hindsight, was this it feels the, weird. Was this the podcast without me? Was it with Reckless? And, might have been uh, Reckless. Yeah, I think a lot of. I can't remember who we gave the edge to, but it was not like. It wow. wasn't a clear favorite. Yeah, it was yeah, not yeah, a clear well, favorite. I knew all along yeah. that BDS would win that series. I knew all along they were three over. No, yeah, yeah, they've always been good. You guys have just been doubting them. They've yeah. always been the favorites. I think that that whole idea is like the fact that they were so underrated and then the fact that they're doing so well just adds more to the story yeah, about how the good word, they are, you know? Were they underrated is the better question. Yes. So because is, it's not that they were underrated. It's that like BDS had a surprising winter. They looked okay. They didn't finish great, but they looked solid. Where did you they know, finish? They had a bad winter. Where did they, they finish? finished seventh. Yeah, but compare. Remember, the expectation from last year was ninth, tenth. Sure. So for, I mean, so for sure. the team, yeah, yeah, you were yeah, like, sure, oh, sure. pretty good, pretty good. They yeah, were like neck and neck sure. with like SK in terms of like, ooh, there's some promise here. That's but SK crazy, isn't it? More. Like seventh to like finals. But, but what I'll say what? is that like we're going back to BDS guys. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll let it go. We'll let it go. It's just because we're all triggered because people. The big thing that triggers us all is when people want to rewrite history. Guys, BDS are great now, and part of the reason that that's such a great story is because they were not always great. The second a team is good you don't have to pretend I that they the were always good with drx at worlds last year like yeah. people were like, oh, yeah, like they bro. always should have been the favorite cable yeah. you moron my like, favorite was chronic love and we saw him at worlds and um we, and i was just like so like were we wrong should we predict he was like no <laughs> Pyoshik sucked he was benched yeah, like, to qualify like dude like they were terrible DRX, like, yeah. everyone was really sad that they qualified you know how like you guys get sometimes Sandbox, upset it was yeah. Prince it was supposed <laughs> exactly, to be Prince that, exactly that's what everyone was like and yeah. uh it's yeah they, they beat Gen G and people were mentioning me like Kajo, you, you can't, could you underrate DRX like this you should have seen it from the playoffs and I was like bro did you see those playoffs no but it's not, it's not well, my, here's what I'll my say though, though. yeah go ahead what I will say is that like we have our biases in the in the perspective of like we will form opinions of teams yeah and then like it takes a certain performance to shift biases right and that that's for everyone shift expectations i think what, what, bias I, what, is a dangerous I, word what i'm like i'm what I mean by that is like when I go into something like a world championship, yep. I create this tier list in my head of like, these are the best teams, these are the worst teams, yep. right? And like I have a bias towards European teams in the sense that I want Europe to win. Sure. So like I will often look more positively at those teams just because I want to be more optimistic about my home region, right? Sure. Like that's one form of bias. Glass half full kind of guy. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but, but at the same time, I think that there are also like our intrinsic biases towards what we define as good league. Right, and so yeah. like we have these ideas Part about the how the why, games like, played. Doing B was probably, in hindsight, potentially underrated. Yeah, like a lot of people, and uh, a lot of people have their perceptions about how the game should be played and what they think is good. And when I look at a team like BDS, when they go seven two during the regular season, my my brain was being like, okay, sure, they found a formula that works, but I was convinced that they would be solved 
and that they would be defeated, right? That was my sure. expectation. I said it for Vitality. Even though they went 4-0 in the group stages, my expectations were 3-1 or 3-0 Vitality. Don't talk about BDS challenge. Impossible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that like, because I think the, the topic around how like analysts will have their intrinsic biases around like their perception on how league should be played. And when they look at a team, it's hard for them always to just be immediately bought in because well, their the perceptions around how the Let's game should be played. take Koi or, as an example. Yeah. Who, when they were rogue, one regular season a gajillion times and we were always and then they faulted. best of five yeah, yeah, yeah. and i think that the thing is is like when you want to get plot armor which is where i think you could call it a bias but also there's a historical element to it, get it support it historic versions of fanatic historic versions of g2 for example you need to prove that you can be clutch in a game five so that people start to believe in intangibles yes right but i think otherwise it's like until you prove that you're best of one form is going to stay the same in best of three and in best of five. Like, mm. I have no reason to believe it. I don't think that we underhyped BDS. I think they played very well yeah. in the regular season. Underhyped for sure. But like, I would say personally, I underrated BDS in that like when I looked at them, I thought this is a solid team, but I think that their weaknesses will be exploited. Yeah, but that's like, right? I don't think that's, for me, that's just you, you make a prediction based on the information you have, based on the level you expect from other teams, based on the fact that like, okay, we expect G2 to come into full strength here. And all historical evidence pres- points to that being a reasonable expectation yeah but i also just don't think it's like a bad thing to underrate no no no. my, my point here my point <laughs> the thing that triggers me is not that people want to get mad at me for predictions or call cadre an idiot like whatever like because i just don't care it doesn't mean anything yeah. in the long run what bothers me is when people want to rewrite history and pretend that a team was and always sure. good because it undersells exactly their rapid improvement it undersells how great they were on the day sure. if crown shot was always the best 80 carry in our league then every other year of his career was just a disappointing failure. Yeah. You know what I mean? If he was always the best, then like we shouldn't be hyped about this guy at all. Why did it take him so long and to be to show it on stage? We shouldn't be hyped. Yeah. But he wasn't always the best. He is the best now because he fought up. And that like I hate when people want to ruin the the journey. It also like yeah, it ruins. You like, don't always like, have it inside of you. I hate that narrative. <laughs> you don't just drink the magic juice and it happens. You work hard. You get better. You yeah. look back. You recognize that you were shit. That journey is important, and everybody wants to cheat and players out of it. Deft was not always the best. Exactly. He did not always have that deep down inside of him. He had the perseverance to stick through, not being the best player, not being on the best teams to eventually win worlds. Oh, it gets me so angry. Yeah, no, I was about to bring up the death point as well. It's like he went through like seven years of to- like not torture, you know, but like yes. mental gulag, hard. difficulties, yes. it was hard. He struggles, wasn't always playing teams, the best. He players, wasn't always number one. He regions. didn't always show up when it counted. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, don't don't cheat people out of the work that made them get there. Like, if you're not always the best, it's okay. It is better to not always be the best and rise up. This is not anime. You don't always have to be the shonen protagonist who rises to the challenge and beats everything. But I mean, that's also why we love anime, right? Because you get to see them from the start and their growth. And I think that that's some of the beauty of sports as well. Getting to see from them when they start. And like, I always love the idea of um, those shots where players are crying and they're sad and like they're really hurt. Those are really powerful. Yeah, people get sad that they get showed sometimes. But like, if you watch a shot of, like when Crowney cried in the interview this weekend, that moment is so powerful to me because that is the release of years of him wondering, because he talked about in interviews, he talked about on the podcast, am I good enough? Do I want to retire? Can I keep going? Yeah, yeah. That is the release of so much emotion when you get that validation at that level. And I mean, it was the same for players like Oduamne when he finally got to lift his first LEC trophy last split, right? And how many people were so proud of him. Like, there were G2 fans, Fanatic fans, everyone was just like, you know what? In that it's moment, okay. everyone was an Oduamne <laughs> fan. Everyone was an Oduamne you know fan, I mean? you know? And like that, and it was the same thing for a lot of those players as well. Like, you were someone that played with Larson for years. 
like you had like a strong relationship and he was in his 14 when i started playing with 15 he was in school and like it's one of those things where like he's been grinding just as long and like that moment was just as magical for him and there are a lot of players that have to go through that and you know like it's it's a it's a weird one where winning a split like this to many fans can sit there and feel like oh it's not the same it's a little underwhelming but to a lot of these players like it's a lifelong dream yeah to win something and, and to have and that it record is under it is a belt. shorter season and it doesn't end quite as spectacular as it would as it would in a crowd of you know twenty thousand people and i hope that for for crowning or for any of these teams that rise up that they still get an opportunity in their career to experience that sure. but it's still it's awesome but the, the good news is they get a lot of championship points for being in minimum second place now <laughs> yes. in our summer finals. An excellent transition be because that rant over, we now get to start another potentially <laughs> MSI topic. The MSI situation. So for oh, those God, of don't you... Don't get me started on the MSI okay, situation. I'm going to get you started, but I just want to set down everyone so everyone understands. MSI qualification, if you have not kept up, works as following. The winner of winter is guaranteed one seed uh, at a minimum second seed. The winner of spring will get first seed. If those, that's the same team, so in this case, if G2 wins, then the person with the most championship points will go as the second seed. What that means at this stage is that if G2 win the split, MAD will go to MSI guaranteed because no other team yep. with MAD now in the top four can catch them in championship points. Any other team winning the split means they will be our first seed and G2 will be our second seed. And this puts us in an interesting position because uh people are generally frustrated with mad and to be clear i don't think it's mad's fault it is um can i ask a quick question before you go so i've seen two sides of the argument because i've read all of the fan sentiment around this topic right so like i'm curious as to where you want to start yeah with regards to the conversation but like do you want to talk about like the the challenges that are going to be faced with the the teams because like i know one of the big discussions is the amount of time teams have as well between when they win oh i want to talk about specifically qualification qualification for your qualification then and then we can talk about the schedule because the schedule is also difficult for those who don't know uh you essentially have a week after lec is over and a bit before uh lec or before msi starts yeah um so so anyway tldr here um Mad because they have the most points are going in. People are frustrated because Mad have uh, historically been the team who have qualified the most through um, or qualified to the most international events, let's say, without like winning a bunch of best of fives. And they've also struggled in their international performance historically outside of the single MSI has been poor. So people just aren't big fans of Mad in general when it comes to international tournaments. And so what I will say before we start this, my first take is while I may not be convinced that Mad are our best representative, it is not Mad's fault that our format keeps putting them in international events. They are just playing League of Legends. They are just doing their job. It's always mad, isn't it? (laughs) It's And like, so what I want to say is like, if you want to be frustrated, I think that that is fair. That is a, if you think that this is wrong, then this is a wrong of the format. It is not a wrong of the Mad Lions. Please do not hold them accountable for playing League of Legends. Like they show up, they play League, their players want to win. If they suck, they suck. If they suck and they qualify to international formats, that's a format issue, not a Mad Lions issue. Right. Let's talk about Stop format issues. getting mad at Mad Lions. <laughs> let's, format issues. let's talk yes. about just a quick hit on format issues because you basically have told me if G2 win the split, Mad are locked. Mm-hmm. If G2 lose and are out, whoever wins the split is in. Yep. So we're facing a scenario. I don't know if we can bring up the finals. Uh, yeah, you can bring up here. the schedule, Phil. If you, uh, yeah, the right. schedule. Where G2 is against Mad. Yep. If Mad win, they then have to win the split to make MSI. They have yep. to win the next two best of fives no matter what. And if G2 win, then Mad can sit pretty and hope that G2 wins the split, and then they're locked MSI. Now, this is not to... I don't think either of these teams will do anything to make it so, like, certain outcomes happen. 
But the fact that we're in a scenario where Matt losing could actually benefit them to go into an international event is just wrong. I think that's the format. There's a flaw there no matter what. Because Matt could lose and yeah. still make MSI by letting G2 win the split. But if they win, then they basically have to win two more best fives no matter what. Yeah. And I will say that, like, this is an interesting position because, as you highlighted, if you know with 100% certainty that G2 will win the split, which you don't, but let's just say you could, yeah. then it would be in Matt's best interest if they want to qualify to MSI. If, say, Matt is the only team that can And they would them. never do this, I expect. But they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They so Matt, is the only, they have an op- Matt have an option to beat G2 or let G2 go through, knowing 100% that G2 will win the split. Yeah. It's in Matt's best interest if they care about MSI and not LEC. Yeah. They could lose deliberately now again no one would ever do this i do not think this has ever happened it's just weird but the fact that it could happen yeah it's wrong if it's ever in your best interest to lose a game usually that's a format problem but just for the record we're in a situation regardless where our fourth seed could go because let's say mad win yeah and then bds win the splits yeah. we're sending fourth seed g2 yeah and bds first seed um if g2 win and they win the whole thing and then we said mad we're sending first seed g2 and fourth seed mad we're literally in a situation where like in in our current performance yeah and and we're not going to get to see a mad versus vitality or a mad versus bds or like a you know what i mean like the loser will not play one of the second or the third place teams in theory um so you never know like um who the second best team and and the argument that i've used in the past where like if a team is qualified on points, there's a world where they can still perform very well at yeah. MSI because it's an entirely different patch. You know, well, sometimes your best performing team at the end of a split can actually perform worse at international because the patch changes against the way in which they actually sure. won the split, right? And so, but we're in the unfortunate situation now where you don't even have that much time. So, so even if we did send a G2 or a MAD, they have a week and a half to fix their issues and there's two patches between now and then yeah so it's like it's yeah it's, lck finished two weeks so <laughs> yeah, yeah right <laughs> i think last thing on the format thing again um one it's a new format i think for the most part it's a very good format are there some holes maybe an international qualification reminder that uh everyone found out i think lec found out and had to decide what they would do for their second seed msi qualification kind of late so, like in february wasn't it yeah and also we're, as we play through this a lot of good ideas are coming on how we can improve the format I, I don't work on that part but i can say i would be curious to see if any of them get invented cross group play and things there's like a lot of ideas that are coming that can help yeah, improve yeah. the format this is not a one-shot perfect format. Is it a hugely positive change still? Yes, overall. But the ultimate question, right, when it comes to international qualification is, how do we guarantee we're sending our two best teams at that time? Now, currently what the format tells you is we're sending the team with the most championship points, and the championship points are the representation of our second best team. Because if we send G2 MAD, for example, yep. MAD will be in the context of this split 4C, but in the context of both splits, championship points are essentially telling you that they should be our second best team based on consistent placement across two sports and is that a perfect metric i personally don't think so and that's something that can be explored but that's just what i wanted to wrap it up i will say yeah like i see a lot of fan sentiment as well where like a lot of them are arguing well they got second in winter fourth in uh and at this point it's much more palatable to be fair at this point it's much more palatable people who are really outraged at the potential for them qualifying while being like seventh or sixth yeah yeah, yeah. that's a lot more fair but now they're top four and they were second before so like clearly matt are doing something right and if they lose to g2 and they're competitive and g2 do win the split there's an argument to be said that well they faced g2 early on and they almost beat g2 or they were competitive so at least if you look at the grand scheme of things g2 winning the split 
not the end of the world. I think top four is a lot less egregious than like seventh place or sixth place, obviously. Yeah. And I'll say that, like, I think you summarized it best and I'll summarize it again. Like, it's fair to feel frustrated by the format because as a European fan, you've tasted international success before and we all want to taste it again. So we want our best possible chances when it comes to representation internationally. Totally understand that. And I think that's very fair. Just don't put that pressure on the players. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, mad, it's, as Draco said, Mad is just playing league. They're showing up. They're playing their scheduled they're games. They're trying to be. They're, they're not sandbagging to troll you so that they can like get. They're they not trying to get the lowest best. placement. It's not like, like get the lowest placement while qualifying have, for MSI Challenge. You I've know? spoken to like every single one of those players, and I can tell you right now, they all really care about winning. Like yeah. they want to, and be they the best don't and like, like it either. They like, don't like going in without winning a best five. Yeah, exactly. They don't feel good about that. But they're not going to also skip over that opportunity. That's not an option, nor would it make sense. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, I, like it's a frustrating situation, and I would just ask people to just do their best to send support to Mad, and we'll see what the results are. Like right now, overall, um, BDS feel like the strongest team yep. based on what we've been seeing. A G two is not a perfect team. I have been a little disappointed in caps recently i think yep. his recent performances have not been usual playoff claps himself maybe in the best of fives i'll show he in the interview said himself that he felt quite nervous which uh was a surprise to yinsu and a surprise to me as well during the interview never um, heard of caps feeling super nervous to be honest yeah I, just, I, mean, I mean probably he has but i mean I yeah for sure it. but him saying how like after losing the first game he was talking about how like it felt like our backs were against the wall and to be knocked out here would feel really really bad so to hear him being nervous was quite a surprise. Um, so I hope in the best of fives where he says that we have a little bit more leeway to, to play more like ourselves, maybe we'll get to see a stronger G2. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that um, we'll, we'll see how the things develop and uh, G2 versus Mad for sure is going to be interesting best of five. Yep. Moving on. One last thing I'd like to talk about before we kind of start to finalize here talking about each of the top four teams and some of the specifics of the matchups ahead of us is the meta. Um, because it's been interesting because I feel like BDS seem to have the formula figured out that might just be for BDS however so I'm curious if you guys you talked about potentially teams trying to break open the game with more early game focus strats is there anything that you think we could see more of or do you think everyone's just going to get in line on the scaling mid scaling bot laner so I think it's important to acknowledge where we were at the beginning of the year and like where we had to go sure mainly because jungle was really interesting at the beginning of the year yeah like it was very widely talked about by the community. Um, Tyler One had this hilarious video about it where like he was looking at the junglers and like this jungler has done like four camps and he's like a higher level than my jungler and all that stuff. And yep. the ability for you to like gank and then go back, clear your farms and not really be punished by it in terms of experience was like really valuable. And then they changed that, right? To a degree, which meant that you got punished if you weren't clearing your camps more often um and you weren't farming more so this just increased the gold right yeah it was i forget i forget uh, specifically what changed it may have been gold a part of me thought it was a little bit of xp as well but maybe i'm wrong in that space but i i remember distinctly that there was a pretty significant jungle change that basically kind of shifted the junglers away from like at least being a prio Back. Not that Maokai wasn't strong back then, obviously. So I think off top man, I think you did more damage to your own camps and less damage. Yeah, so it was twenty percent damage, twenty percent so, damage reduction yeah. on enemy camps. So counter jungling was well, real bad. Counter jungling also just wasn't as effective. Like there was the value in that you were taking XP away from your opponent, but yeah. the problem was that by if stealing you had, enemy camps, like by the time that your jungler then comes back and clears those camps, like it's not that hard for them to catch yeah, back. Twenty percent damage reduction is also a lot. It takes a year to take an enemy. So camp. things like cross mapping and all this other stuff for junglers, like. If 
if they see a gank bot, normally they can move an enemy topside and like maybe steal away red or like steal away raptors or whatnot. And like that's not as yeah, effective. they just increase the gold of camps. Right. But basically, like they made that jungle change and that had an impact in the jungle meta. And I think that over time, once the jungle meta slowly shifts, that then impacts the mid meta and then the mid meta then. And that's not to say that the jungle meta had like a dramatic change. We've seen Vi pretty much all year. We continue to see Maokai, Citrani. These yeah. are all things that are still very prevalent. But I think the way in which junglers play has changed. Um, and I think that whenever junglers um, have the option to play something that isn't super gank orientated, then you naturally fall more towards like playing towards dragons and playing towards teamfights because I still think that split pushing just isn't a very effective way of playing the game, which historically I think was always a super effective way of managing teamfights. LPL, yeah. LCK, back in the day, they used to be able to play that one through one setup with things like Rise, um, Fiora. Uh, they used to play jacks back in the day too is just like oh you want to fight us or we don't care we're just a match on the side lane we'll be able to play for towers and we can create this pressure where we don't actually have to 5v5 you but for a while i think that because there are no better ways outside of getting a really big early game lead to um win the game i just think it's easier to to play 5v5 which is why i think we're seeing a return back I think it's, to yeah i think it's now. always been easier to play 5v5 and i just think the rewards for grouping are way better than they used to be like when there wasn't an infernal soul waiting for you or an elder dragon or a reliable baron 131 felt a little bit better i think and this is many years ago at this point because you like you push out you get vision between you try to find picks you just generate increment incremental advantage and you kind of choke people out of the game but like the team fighting champions in the game right now are so damn strong and like the level of execution required for 131 is still really high i just mm. yeah 131 like i believe it is possible but you don't end the game through 1v1 like that that ship sailed many many years ago yeah. you know what i mean i think the last year of meta was like uh worlds was like kind of poke heavy like yeah. i feel like virus and jace were pretty good you play like hammer ash at worlds yeah, really ash. like pushing lanes were really important yep but then I think as range supports got nerfed and like the support item got nerfed and things like this and Ash got nerfed, like it transitioned more to melee supports. True, yep. yeah, yeah, and if melee supports are meta, then like mid game is really important. So like yep. that's why Wukong and stuff became really good because you an early game as well, because you can dive more. In past times, you were used to threaten dives with range supports because you could never tank um, unless you had like Elise, but she wasn't yep. meta at that time. Uh, so range supports would just uh, poke you out and secure objectives. True. And when melee supports become broken, then team fights are OP. And yep. then so split pushes fall out. So then you want more tanks top. And the only reason Jax was meta because his ult was actually good for team fights. Yes. You know, if you yeah, can like yeah. jump in with a good ult, like you're actually a tank. Yeah. And you can do damage. Uh, so yeah, the game is just really team fight heavy now because of melee supports. I think like they're just so important. Range supports are more like controlling, more pick orientated, more like pressure orientated. Yeah. whereas like melee you just supports, can't you just, you just go in i mean the big thing about melee supports right is like the thing that they makes them valuable is cc it's like the stat that yeah. you cannot purchase in league of legends so if there are opportunities in the game for you to leverage two or three man stuns that's tripling the value of a melee support and if you're going to play this like jace varus karma whatever range stuff and you're not going to get that opportunity if you're going to take 800 damage to the face before the fight even starts that you're there's your value gone you know what i mean and so i just think i see what you're saying i think it's a really good point yeah i wonder what meta will do you see. think the fall off of Azir also opened up just more control mages, like being able to blind Orianna. Like, I don't know if I just, we still see a lot of Ari, mm. of course. Like, I know that Ari, Lissandra, um, what's the third one? You, you always talk about it. Ari, Lissandra, Lissandra, Annie. Annie. Annie's, Annie's the other good. one. Yeah, Galio yeah. and LPL, but not here. But I was just thinking that, like, I wonder if Azir was also just one of those things that because he just creates this blocker in mid. Uh, he, mm. Azir chokes a lot of champions out of the meta because he. But I don't know if you agree. So Scales like, well. He ganks. He like he supports ganks well. Like Azir was a problematic champion. I'm glad Azir is gone. Yeah. No. I think Azir actually was like a bit of a cheat because like Orianna. So for example, let's take Ari and Lissandra. These are two like short range burst mages. Yeah. 
And what counters those two champs are like control mages because you outrange them. So like yes. Orianna and Azir will just poke you from range and you can't trade back. Azir falling out helped Ari a little bit on the blind pick, but I think Ari's biggest counter was always Lissandra. Because sure. you all, it I just agree. makes it so you lose 2v2s. Um, Orianna has come out of nowhere in Europe. I feel like it's just the pick into Ari's because you can win lane early. But the difference but between an Orianna and an, uh, and an Azir is Orianna doesn't have the same escape. Exactly, it's, it's way flash. more mobile. If you yeah. lose yeah. flash on Orianna, like, you can't push as much, whereas Azir can kind of. Uh, yeah, Azir falling out hurt the meta a little bit in terms of like uh, an answer to Ari, but I still think like you'll often see teams, what they'll do is they'll pick like, let's say, Aphelios, Wukong, and Montu on red side, yeah. Ari on three, yeah. ban Lissandra. Ban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but I also, I also think that from what we have seen domestically so far in the LEC, as much as we talk about all the time how strong Wukong Ari is, especially as a duo, especially with an engaged support to back it mm. up, the level of execution has not been there on these picks yep. to make them look really powerful. And I can't say if that's the players playing them. I can't say without watching back every single game if that's just small execution hiccups. But like these champions look disgustingly broken when we see them in LPL or LCK and they're played well and they get ahead. They seem unstoppable. And in our region, they seem very inconsistent. Say, Their Jace output was doesn't still seem a first good. Pick, wasn't it? Jace is still uh, Jace is real. Yeah, Jace is getting banned. Jace is still. just permed. Yeah, Jace like, doesn't make the it. The Kennen high priority in the LPL, right? I forget if it was Kennen. Yeah, Kennen got buffed and was really broken. But it's interesting because we're playing on thirteen six, right? I think right we now, are. Yeah, we yeah, are. They 13, were all six. playing on thirteen five. Yeah, MSI is gonna be weird because MSI. So Lee Sin is nerfed. Wukong is nerfed, Vi is nerfed, and Jarvan is nerfed. And like things like Graves and Nidalee are buffed, right. and Kha'Zix is buffed. Isn't so, Jarvan nerfed on 13.8? Yeah, 13.8 Jarvan is nerfed. On this yeah. one, it's just 13.7. Uh, Sejuani is also nerfed. So like, Maokai is probably good, but like, I don't know what jungle meta we're getting at MSI. I really don't. Because as much as you can say like they're nerfed, they are nerfed. Like, you know, like Vi is quite a bit weaker. Wukong's a bit weaker. Lee Sin's win rate dropped by like 3%, even though the champ sucks anyway. But, like, you know what will happen is um, one of the reasons why LCK always looks the most fallible in week one of international tournaments is because they stick to what they know. And then the second that they maybe like lose a game, because usually that's the most you'll ever get, like on the rare occasion that they'll lose two, like that's when they very quickly pick up on what's changed. Yeah. And then second week, they 3-0, 3-0, 3-0, 3-0. Well, the thing is, is LCK, because they won, they don't have to go through plans. True. So they just get to watch the entire True. meta unfold. And it's not the normal playing situation. I mean, I will say that LCK does have a bit of a history being stubborn sometimes in week one. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> I'm just saying week one is now a best of five. So oh, that adaptation, right. that's there's, no, there's no best of one. I mean, that's the RMSI format rocks. The RMSI <laughs> format is double elimination, Popping. best of fives from the get-go, no best of one. That is exactly what I So just saying, a bad list. day for LCK is Holy a bad mother. tournament yeah, for I mean, LCK. Yeah, that's like, all I'm saying. But I mean, I guess the, the adaptation just shifts within a shorter time span because rather than going from game one to yeah. a day or week break in you some instances. You have to be able to do it by, in two games. Yeah, yeah, yeah you have to do it. And I'm not trying to downplay the LCK or the LPL. They're obviously clearly the favorites coming into the tournament, but... But uh, yeah, um, yeah. But so in our league, Ari is two, two seven. Sorry, two eight. If we count all of yeah. the best ofs. So, yeah. so um, on that topic, quick thing. Uh, yeah, if you want to see the MSI format explainer, Vedius has got a nice little narration over it on the. Is it Lolly Sports? I YouTube, haven't even I watched it, it myself yet. It's really good. <laughs> his picks to watch, boys. <laughs> yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode <laughs> of Picks to Watch. <laughs> welcome to the MSI <laughs> format explainer. <laughs> I'm no, it's Vedius, really good. Here to guide you through the changes that make our format. Great. Oh, I mean, if you remember really it, clearly it works. <laughs> no, it's just making it up. I don't even remember what your opening line is, it's but I'm probably, probably that. right. It's a really good, it's a really good video. So you should check it out on Lolly Sports. Uh, but as far as our finals are concerned, please play more Aphelios Jinx. 
Yes. Please stop playing Varus. Zaya is okay, but if you're playing Zaya into Jinx, not a <laughs> it's fan. It's so funny hearing people say that after just not that long ago. People are like, stop playing Aphelios Jinx. <laughs> yeah. It's already, it's all, it's a come full circle, hasn't it? Wukongari, uh, I think it's OP if you know how to play the game properly online. Like mid game, Scion, I think it's OP. Jace Gragaspans are good against teams yep. like Mad and G2. So we probably see that perma. I think Kennen's Here we are. Kennen's good. Rakanis. As much as we try to change, we always come back to our roots in the LEC, don't we? Ooh, yeah. scaling AD carry in a tank top lane. The best options for it to be fair that's how jdg won the split as well like they pick jinx Sai on every game so we're we're just as bad as well, Zeri, zeri's also fine yeah zeri's good as well Zeri's okay yeah, i yeah, think yeah. it'll be interesting i mean is there room for innovation i, I want to say no we saw the action attempts this but is, i have a question right here is it worth it to cook you everyone else is ordering they're ordering takeout from lpl lck the only so cook, all this scaling the only cook i could see is like a zig spot you know with like double ad solo lanes with an ap jungle but that's it's not even worth it like you need ari's open wukong's open like i'll just say that like if you again we talked about adam earlier because if you're if shutting you, down adam you're gonna have to cook something if you look historically like at what counters jinx aphelios when they're super prevalent it's like you have a stronger top side and you play a mage bot and yep. that's how you deal with it is i'll say morgana Okay. No. Puke I'm telling you right puke. now. I'm telling you right Morgana. now. <laughs> Morgan, like Rakan. Rakan uh, no, no. is so OP. You just let him through. Let him through. Draven counter Morgana. with the Morgana. It's such a fake I'm counter. I can it's tell you, <laughs> it's so fake. <laughs> like you're screaming. You're you see Rakan push R. You panic push E on your black it's shield. Rakan like goes on someone else. When, when, when Morgana, when I see people say Morgana into Rakan, I'm like, okay, if Caitlyn's broken, you're playing like Caitlyn Morgana into Sire Rakan. Yeah. Maybe. For, first, first of all, don't you ever say Draven the word Morgan. Caitlyn to no, me yeah, ever exactly. again. First Caitlyn is the fakest European yeah. pick of all time. <laughs> exactly. Again, you have an LCK, LPR, Draven. Stop, stop. Draven, Draven Morgan. Morgan. Okay. But Draven even then, Draven Lux is just better in lane. Yeah. Like, it's just a better champ. Second of all... She's also a great pick into Rika. Like, Aftershock I see, Lux, I see like, shit. a 10 CS lead. You know, I hear my ID and my voice comes. Yeah, we're winning bots, we're winning bots. I go to Dragon. There's a Rakan. He flash ults my whole team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all knocked up. <laughs> Your Caitlyn dies. Like, one shield saves my Draven for one yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still one shot because they're playing Ari. Like, Don't Rakan. worry, we got three plates. And he you're loses like, huh. all his stacks. The CS lead is gone. He's lost down an item. And then we say... Why are you such a hater, And man? then my Morgana says, I'm still useful, but you know, he's coping. This, this, for the record, is typical pro player mentality. No, it's not. No. I, I'm telling you right now, I had a conversation with Trimby on the finals weekend about yeah. how I think Rakan can still be good and we had a conversation about it and he was like nah like there are all these reasons why and i'm pretty sure on that weekend he picked rakan <laughs> like, rakan is inevitable press r flash yeah, but my w point is that, like it's, it's one of those things where like i know for a fact that you pro players you get in your mindset <laughs> you're all the same when you sit there and you think a a champ is bad yeah, yeah, yeah. and until but you're objectively what, what you, proven what you, wrong what you have to understand too though that we don't see to give them a bit of benefit because i agree that pro players in general are very slow to change they're stubborn they're stubborn. no it's, this is <laughs> but they also that. hold on hold on because you're not you're they play 40 scrim games we they don't do. see True. where Rakan <sighs> looks turbo useless yeah but it's it like okay i i, I heard this so many times especially me, when i was a on. pro it's like Dispel, counter dispel, pick. It's like, no, it doesn't work yeah, like that. Yeah, but that's not what we're saying either. And like, I'm not like trying to die lane. on the hill of Morgana. Yeah, no, yeah, it's please like... Don't. That's a horrible... That's not, please don't I was just threw it out there. It's like, stop, not like you've heard of beating that. a dead horse, you're trying <laughs> yeah. to sell a dead yeah. horse right now. Like, this pick yeah, is it's bad. Not, it's whatever. Like, it is. it's cool. Like, I was just throwing one out there. No, no, it's a classic when it's like, I don't know. For It will take Morgana Lux. Range supports in general have always been like a crutch of pro players, I think, because... 
you're 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 the top side you know you have to have to play for bot because if they get ganked they lose the game like they die you fall behind on range supports you lose your flash like you're Basically, right. So, range supports is a great example, actually. So, because pros were so stubborn to change over yeah, for all yeah. these reasons. So, <laughs> so, when range supports are OP, like Ashheimer, when they're like absolutely broken, like lane is so absolutely hard, absolutely broken, completely then, then brain dead to the point where Ash yeah. pushes the single ability and you can never trade. Then you see it, like you know what? Love it. Then you have the Caitlyn Luxes of the world or the Caitlyn Karmas where the Nautilus hooks them level one and they die. And my, I press tab, I'm clearing my red and my Lux is dead. <laughs> She's lost her flash against Blitzcrank, Nautilus, Thresh. And now I have to cover a lane that can't 3v3, but also doesn't have flash, but also is getting pushed in and therefore could get dove, even though it's my prior lane and I lose dragon. So like the trauma in your head, you're just sitting there in your tribush and bot like, yeah. But you on the original XL were the split map team. Yeah, I pick set, I do three camps, I dive bot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I die, game is lost. Double kill, game is won. Yeah. Only way to win the game. I remember. This no, is the only way. Volumer set, dive bot, every I even game. did a, a segment on broadcast where I was like, let's watch Cadrol as he splits the map here for his Caitlyn Lux bot lane. Yeah, top, pick, <laughs> top lane pick Sion. Even though Christ didn't know how to play Sion. Sorry, Christ, you do now. I saw you in EMEA Masters, pick Sion. He was a Kale Vladimir Jax player when he came in. We were so confused. Joe was like, this guy right here, he's going to be the next star and we're like he's a three trick yeah. and all of his tricks are bad but the meta was like Kalista so we played like Kalista Tarek set dive bot you play Orn don't int I and 50-50 it and, <laughs> and you know hey. You got and then teams a... figured out I dove bot. <laughs> yeah. You know what happened? Yeah. We still dove bot. Yeah. <laughs> it was a 3v3 instead of a 3v2. Oh my god. Alright, last thing on meta. We talked about Kennen. There's a there's a Korean player called Dundon. Mm-hmm. He used to play for Nongshim. I think he does still play for Nongshim. Uh, there's a shout out to Molecule Lol on Twitter. He gives like such good stats and like random facts. I saw this from his Twitter yesterday. He's playing Nasus top into Kennen. And I can see it. Like Ooh. second win Doran Shields with a little bit of AP with Emax. Wither. Mm-hmm. Emax with Wither on Kennen. Emax oh, just yeah. a little bit I of AP. I remember that. And so the Wither is so effective Withers, against his yeah. E as Ken, well. I've played Kennen into Nasus as well. Like that is a hard matchup. If he maxes E and like has a bit of ability power as well. He just clears the wave. Yeah. He just pops the wave and the Kennen can't do anything. You can't punish him. You can't push him in. You can't dive him. He also have sustain because it's passive. So, so constantly memed, but <laughs> lifesteal. Yeah. Lifesteal, baby. <laughs> and he, he has a lot of success with it. He's winning a lot of games. Um, people are trying counter into Kennen. I think Kennen gets countered by Nasus a little bit. Syndra top is good. Azir is top is good. Is the counter? No. Adam Surely made it no. look like it's, a counter. It's, it's a counter in a way that, well, it's not, it's an answer. You know, it's, it's like, an Sion yeah, weathers the storm. Yeah, he gets pushed in a bit. And what Kennen will do in that matchup is he'll go cull and like just sit there and be like, you're not going to get pushed, but I can't kill you. So enjoy right. your farm. Uh, right, right, right. It's yeah, like, yeah, 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 I don't know what, there needs to be a word for it. There's champs in the game that push you in and the only way you lose the matchup is if you can't farm on the tower. And if you can farm on the tower and you're good at it, then you're fine. <laughs> there needs to be an answer. There needs to be a word for that. <laughs> Orn matchup. You know, you know, like Orn into Kale. You know, yeah. Kale will like get pushed in and Orin will have push, but if Kale lasts properly, only, yeah, he's the only person your ass in, in five minutes. Okay, you're the only person in the world that we use Kale as a reference point because one, nobody plays that champion, and two, you're the only person in the world who has played with a top laner who actually <laughs> wants to play Kale. <laughs> you know yeah. He plays Kale. It was actually meta, you know, like Orin was oh, blind pickable. <laughs> last one, last one. Orin was blind pickable. Okay, it's a blind pick champ. So Kale was the counter. Yeah, I remember this. You know, Camille that, used that to be the counter. The, uh, even Darmon, they played yeah. Um, yeah, 2019. Uh, Kaiser, Kaiser uh, Kale. Kale yeah. yeah. So the only way you lose the Kale Orn matchup is Orn stacks three waves, jungle comes, Kale gets dove, loses her TP, and dies on the push out. Right. Yeah. That's it. We learned that the hard way against G2 <laughs> like 20 times. Yeah. <laughs> we go on stage. Kale is picked into Orn. The wave is being stacked. I say, no, no offense, Christ. <laughs> Do you need cover? No, I'm good. Okay. First blood. 
TP's back. Do you need cover on the push out? No, I'm good. Nala has been slain. <laughs> My Chaos 0-2 at 5 CS. Orin's got like 20 and 2 kills. The game's lost. Yeah. He now can't lane. So that's what I learned about the KL one matchup. Cover top. No matter what. Okay, okay. No matter what. Even All if right. KL thinks she's fine. The only story was to throw cries under the, the bus. bus. Poor cries. Yeah. Just getting roasted. What about your mid laner? He's pretty good, yeah. Zoe. No, no, no. Okay, special. No, stop. 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 No, no, you're throwing under the bus. You're no, banned. No. You're banned. I'm not throwing anyone under the bus. You're yeah. fine. You're fine. You're telling a I'm fun story. I'm trying to find story. the game. I'm trying to find the way. Mark Lamont, if you pull up that bod and try to show us anything, you are banned from the podcast for a week. You are getting a timeout, you asshole. What are we talking about next, Daniel? Okay, well, I was going to complain about Lucian. Here it is. Shotgun versus SK versus Mark. I'm going to tell you right nope. now, bro, that that is the coolest <laughs> story that, that I've ever I heard. That but story. nobody, you no have one to ask. No one asked. It. Nobody no cares. Asked. Excel, bro. No one nobody asked. asked. No, I'm just nobody. looking at the game just for my own sanity. Stop. We got stumped. Mark. Oh my god, we didn't even get a single kill. Eight stick zero and kills. How yeah. this, it, is this what, why do I come on these podcasts? I've ruined you, everything. You bring him out. No, you bring out. No, you're great. You, you, like, you used to ramble too much. You're great. You're yeah. doing great today. You just bring out the worst in him. Now, admittedly, you love to poke the bear. I do love poke I the bear. I made your stream or whatever. Oh, my yeah. God. I anyway. I the pot. You good? Yeah. You've gotten it out of your system. Where were we? Oh, yeah. Nessus top. No, stop. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, I hope if I see a Lucian Nami this weekend, I'm going to be very sad. There are a lot of great ADs in our league who could play that champion. But all I'm saying is, Hans like, summer. listen. When no more Jarvan top as well. Please stop yeah, it. I agree oh that. my <laughs> God, man. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Stop it. When your mid laner picks Aurelia and says to you, hey, if everything goes right, I'm going to win the game here. You say, no, you're not allowed to do that. When your bot lane says, we're going to pick Lucian Nami, taking up two picks of your draft and says, hey, if we do everything right here, we'll take over and the game is you unplayable. Really you say yes. Why do you say yes? Because yes, I Daniel, hate it. It's not you, objectively the OP thing anymore. The you don't understand is that there's 40 games of scrims. Yes. <laughs> and they're 10-0 <laughs> on every single one of them. Look, and then they come on stage. And you know what? Hansama played a great couple of Lucianami games. I, I he will, did. I'll argue the Morgana pick in scrims, but I won't defend the Lucianami. Because I also agree. <laughs> Thank you. Looks, yeah. What are you doing? I just, it's, I love, um, I think it was, I, th I, I mean, so many people have told me the story, but it's the whole, like, Every single game in scrims, like you just get such you good results. Stomped. You dominate you the stomped. lane, like you you get jungle support. You get to dive every wave, like you get to do whatever you want. But then on stage, I don't know. Everyone just plays different. You know what? And and but you guys know this. And you know what? And every jungle, I swear to God, every Explain, every Mark. player is just it thinks they're Aristotle. They're like, I figured it out. <laughs> I've I've solved scrim it. games and stage games aren't the same thing. No, no, and I'm like, wow, out. great yeah. discovery. No, but they haven't because tell every year not. we have the same no, discussion about scrim happens. picks. Twenty twenty. Olaf jungles meta. It's good into Sejuani. It's good into Gragas. Yeah. Okay, boys. You go in scrims. You scrim Fnatic self made. He blasts your ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Olaf has 10 kills every game. You yeah. play it yourself. You scrim SK. You have eight kills. Olaf's broken. You go on stage. You're up two camps. The game's lost. <laughs> Sejuani goes to Dragon. She presses QR on your AD carry. Boom. AD carry's dead. Olaf sitting there. Full tank. Crap. I'm useless. Olaf jungle. It's in my brain. Scarred. Olaf top's fine. But Olaf jungle. Okay. Don't pick it on anyway. stage. All right. All right. All right. That's been enough about the meta. Um, mostly because it hasn't even I really been about the meta. We've just been complaining. Stories. That's yeah. so funny. To, to be me. honest, 
uh, fake counter. Uh, this yeah. was a uh, new podcast. This was traumatic with Cadro. This is traumatic. <laughs> His Cadrol. time as a pro player. That could be your memoir title. Oh, we should just get other pros to talk about yeah, their traumatic that experiences. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, yes, I would love this. Like that is, we are deep in this podcast. Thank you for joining us. This is going to be a long episode. I'm now, sorry. Final four. No, I'm. I, the thing is, is, as a host, at some point, I should have the discipline to be like, it's time to move on. Joe, we need a But then euphoria. I keep getting pulled back in. No, I don't, and I don't care. Mark, stop. What's the snacks. final topic? Can you imagine like some blue? Blueberries here. Which What's the final topic, The Daniel? final topic. We have four teams left in our league. Mad versus... I was originally, we were going to break down each of them. Now we're going to talk about the matchups. Sure. Mad versus G2. We talked a little bit about Mad. Obviously had a big glow up. I would love to highlight more about what they're doing well because they did look pretty mediocre in the regular season. But over the course of the best of threes, <clears throat> they have been ramping up. Sorry, I'm just going through so many... Yeah. No, I know. I, and drafts. So my, drafts, you think are the big difference? I think the reason why Mad evolved was that they found more Jinx. tools. Yes, <laughs> Jinx is one of them. I think that Gragas Mid is still a working pick for them. Mm. We saw the Niski TF as well. Um, it, it, it's one of those things where I was concerned for Mad because from Fennec. winter to spring, like this has actually been my opinion on a couple teams. Um, certain teams have had the luxury of being bad in winter. So they got to be able to review what made them bad and then evolve, right? Yep. When you win a lot, it's harder to find those weaknesses, right? Yeah. And especially when you go from a regular season of 13.4 to then a group stage of 13.6, you big. have to be like pretty on the nose of like realizing, oh, we have problems that we haven't fixed because other teams have gotten better. And now the game has changed. So not only did we have problems, which we now believe we've, we're slowly fixing, the game has now changed. Now we also have to not only make sure that we're still fixing our issues while also evolving as, t as a team because we need to be able to play new champions. And I think that one of the challenges for MAD historically has always been like, do we have the champion, do we have access to champions that give us the luxury of being able to work in the meta while also being able to apply to a style that works for us? Um, Aldoya, we know, has always had a very deep champion pool. Yep. We know Hillisang has always had a deep champion pool. Sure. In the past, their biggest issues were um, uh, top lane in that they were kind of defaulted into NAR. Um, uh, and with the introduction of Chasey, they were like, oh, we have more carries top. And last, but the reason why they did so well was because they were able to play through top effectively. Sure. Um, yeah. We saw Jace, we're seeing Kennen, like that top laner in Chasey, you can trust to be able to be a carry top side. It's just about whether or not he gets the resources. And also we're back in a meta where it's now more about the AD carries. So in a bot lane where Hillisang and uh, Kazi are responsible for like trying to play a lot more safe, we now see them getting way more ganks than what they were getting before. Sure. Right. So, um, I also think this is really nice for um, Elio and Hillisang because I think a lot of, in spring there were a lot of games where they didn't look like they were 100% on the same page where maybe their timings weren't lined up yes. and I think the fact that now it's very clear that you need to play for the same lane and that same lane is the lane Hillisang is in naturally well, this is, the is hugely positive. We've heard them talk about it in interviews where like Elioya and Hillisang specifically have talked about how they have different views on how the game should be played which yeah. is where I think conflict arose in the past but now they seem to be very aligned and that Trundle brawl like we were on the cast together you were talking extensively about how like how difficult this jungle support duo is to manage mm -hmm. and we saw it in the game they invaded every single red buff they had Ooh, full control over the yeah like they did so much shut down oh yeah Casio. the level one gang shut right. down the yeah, Casio, yeah, yeah. we saw that same matchup in the bds vitality series and without a level one gank right things are a lot harder for the uh the annie and yep. so i think that matter in a position now where they've evolved their drafts they have more options they are on the same page because now they've kind of defaulted back to a star which is play more towards bot leave chasey yep. like on the safer top side the only downside for mad is like G2 have tried to evolve as a team. They tried to experiment more in terms of not just defaulting to relying on their Draven bot lane carry. Um, 
Uh, and obviously last split we did see Yike with his carry performances, but I, and in, and in in this just this last week, obviously the Belveth coming out twice over the course of the yes. The last week. And this is the thing: I think that bot lane is still has the option of getting a bunch of resources, and I think that the team is still very good at playing around Yike. Yeah. Um, so I think that when we think about the, it's I think this matchup comes down to which bot lane do you have more faith in between sure. G two and Mad? And frankly, I have more faith in G 2s bot lane. Uh, I just think Niski's our best mid laner in the league at being a setup player. Like yeah. His champion pool is so good at playing things like Ari, TF, anything they can set up, Gragas, Annie. Annie. I, we've seen his Lissandra, Lissandra once, but I wish they had more confidence in just blinding Lissandra with a Silas band because I think he's just like, he's just such a phenomenal setup player. You think of Galio as well, he, Rise. This is his champ pool, this is his meta. And I think that they should play more, like they have recently, the last yeah. few games, they've dropped the Vagar, they've dropped like the control mages, they've dropped the Silas a bit. They've gone more into this. And I think this is where he's found the most success. You think back to like Mad of last year, just insta-dive bot, level 4, level 3, Niski's roaming down, TP's yep. back mid. Um, not that they should index in this style again, because it's kind of hard now, I think, with uh, hyper-carry spot instead of like things like you know Draven with Unforgiven. Um, but this is a style that I think that makes it so the map is so freed up, uh, and yeah. I think Niski should do more of it, and I think that's where the success will come from. I, I like that angle. I really love Niski on, on roaming champions or champions who can kind of make plays, playmakers, champions who can get out of lane and have a bigger impact. I think that is where and I like this team the most. That said, like... That's Hilly's playstyle too. Hilly's playstyle too. Some of these some of these games were rough for Mad, so I do still think that they're going to need to like show us more in this series they versus do, do, G2. Like, I think Mad's going to beat G2, you know? You think Mad's going to beat G2? Yeah, I think I think Caps' champ pool right now just... It's a bit all over the place. I think Belveth is a is a cheat code for right now for G2 winning games. If you yeah. look at their their their... Best off series, Belveth is their band-aid to, oh crap, we've lost game one, we need to win. Yeah. And once that gets banned away, you can see they've got a whole style around it. They play Sejuani mid for it and stuff like this, right? I think Belveth needs to be banned in the mad series. Sure. And if they're, I actually think red side is rising in prior right now because of how the mid pool's working out with like Ari on three and stuff like I'm, this. I'm curious, like, I think that the, it's hard to know without seeing G2 scrims, what is a cope versus what is like fair assessment of g2 because obviously g2 are already qualified for msi regardless of the results and people are like oh they're cooking they're experimenting and like some of that might be true and i think some of that probably isn't true so it's hard to know how much is g2 experimenting versus like this is the way g2 really think the game should be played and this is the best thing to play on the patch because they've just been drafting very differently from other teams and i do wonder if again we, we say this every time g2 start to lose but now that g2 are in losers bracket are they going to continue to try similar strategies or are they going to kind of come to heel on the meta and say we will play jinx bot we will play Ophelios, you know and then like actually just try to match in this because that's mm -hmm. the version of g2 we haven't seen at all yet and if they do continue to do what they've been doing they feel like a very valuable team oh, right yeah. now to me the biggest reasons why i think g2 have looked weaker is caps has not been playing great mm -hmm. um i was kind of surprised that caps wasn't a bigger talking point in their first best of three where they lost to uh koi because I remember thinking that like that man is playing like the enemy team doesn't have a jungler. Um, sure, I think it's mostly because there was a pantheon on top and BB was falling very dramatically behind. Yeah, but I mean, like, to, I mean, while that's true, like, no, I'm I, just saying I'm not, it's not that it's not that Caps is above criticism. It's that there was someone else who was much more vi visibly I mean, sure, sure, you sure, could sure, sure. more visibly be critical <laughs> sure, of. Sure, sure. Um, and then uh, he Caps himself said that he didn't think he played super well in the series yeah. against um, Koi uh, again in their rematch, right? Um, and I think that this is interesting. When we, earlier in the podcast, if you stayed for the whole thing, props to you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a um, but earlier we talked about biases, yeah. right? And one of the biases I have is that caps will be better the longer playoffs goes, right? This sure. is an intrinsic thing that I've built over years of casting caps where like I kind of have faith in him to step up 
at a certain point when it comes to best of series. And like as moving into best of five, I have this unconscious bias, which is that like I believe caps will be better, right? Last year spring, twelve and zero through the lower brackets. Well, right? and I and think like that- it's it's one of the and like there's there's valid history to base that bias on. And that's not to say that like that it's important that people don't in- misinterpret that as like, oh wow, but he's a massive caps fan. No, that's not what I mean by bias. I mean more about like I have this preconceived notion about caps which right now I am actively trying to challenge because I think Caps is actively underperforming. But there is a part of me that believes, oh, surely Caps will step up. And this is the same for a lot of G2 fans. You've all seen Caps do it before. When he gets into the playoffs, when he gets into the best of five, Caps becomes Claps and he starts absolutely dominating in the best of and he's a great mid laner to watch. But right now, that I think is one of the most volatile points of this series because while I think that Niski is an incredibly set-up player as you talked about, the one person I think that can limit his his impact is Caps. Yep. Caps is an incredible Roma. He also should, in theory, have a very deep champion pool. He's an individual that's very creative and finds great ways to have impact on the map. Yep. But it's about whether or not we will see that player because I mean, right now we are not. It's a rev, It was a rough Tristana game. I want to see, uh, I think, with more conventional drafts for their bottom lane, less Lucianami, more engaged supports. I think things get easier too because I do feel like um, if you start, if Caps sprints it, and your bot lane isn't Lucianami, you have a lot more tools to get back in the game. Um, and I think that one of the things that I'm at least happy about for G2 is I think BB has faced a lot of criticism, but I think in the last week he was uh, stronger we overall. We were talking about it earlier, right? AP tops, he's pretty much excuse yeah, me. Yeah, Gragas, The Gragas looked good. The, you know, the Cho looked better as an answer into the Kennen. His Kennen looked very good. I mean, so I think that like that, it's good that you point this out because I think, again, because BB has had a lot of games where he's fallen wildly behind individually, even if he's had good impact in fights. Um, people are ready to look at him and point to him at the weakness, but I do think that Caps' performance is even more important. And again, that, like, I, that's not to say that like Caps is like a massive weakness. It's more just like it's an uncharacteristic performance, and I don't think he's playing at his top level right now. And I think that um, right now they're playing for Yike, right? Yeah. <laughs> like they're setting up their jungler, and that's not so, necessarily a bad way to play, but if, if Elyoya and Hilly find ways to shut him down... Yeah. And like you're limited in terms of what you can do. Like I'm, uh, I'm very hesitant to predict an, a winner in this one because like uh, a part of me feels that G two always looks very different in best of fives. Um, but again, like that's a lot of it based on previous history. Is this the um, closest? This is probably the closest best of five we've had to predict for G two in a very long time, though. I mean, yeah. yeah just for looking sure. at that form, I just, I just hate G 2s meta read right now. I think if they clean it up, change their bot picks, <clears throat> then they should be they okay. They still played Jinx though, didn't they? Like, yeah, they uh, played Jinx in the last game, and I think hope they realized like, okay, yeah, Jinx is pretty strong. Just strong. Uh, but like, I just wrote down some champions, which I think will be like draft one, two, three. Belveth, I think, is a mad ban, easy. Gragas is a weird champ because I think it's great for BB and Yike, but it's also great for Niski. So it's yeah, like it's blue side yeah. Gragas first pick wouldn't surprise me. Jace is one which I think caps mid is just freed up Yike to play AP jungler so much. Yep um canon i think it's op and i think jc needs an answer and then his Cassante has been fantastic and then the jinx of video straight so the draft is gonna be a bit weird when it comes to the one three because i feel like a flex is gonna be picked on for on one yep or or a jungler if all of them are banned away um and then the ad trade is probably gonna happen but i feel like jinx is better for both sides i don't know how aphelios is gonna be but Carsi aphelios i remember he was like he was really struggling and i, I think i'm just gonna look at I'm, it now i'm just gonna tell like... you right now that is to my knowledge the only person in our league who is genuinely very good at Aphelios is Crown Shot because yeah. I have not seen another good Aphelios. <laughs> I'm same. looking at Karzi. He's got 29 games of Aphelios and he's got a 37% win rate on it. And I remember, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, I don't think he was on Vitality, he was on Mad, but he had like a split. I don't even know if I was playing in that split, but he went like one and nine on Aphelios and he like 
it was like, I remember, give cars the Aphelios and we can win. You know? yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And there was this notion around it. So yeah, I think they'll for sure but You'll climb. probably just do the Zeri into Jinx instead, right? Yeah. I think it's the thing is, is the Zeri isn't, because she lacks the, she's just not as reliable. And in, in compositions that are full front to back, I think when compositions are scrappier, uh, Zeri is much better <clears throat> because you feel the impact of her movement speed and her alt when you have champions like Jinx who can just auto her with a rapid yeah, fire I, cannon. I think if Mad get Jinx though, and if, if G2 deny Jinx from Mad, I think they will probably I think if, if G2 can match Aphelios, if Hans plays it, like, and again, this is just something I haven't really seen from Hans, so I don't know what to expect. See, but like, I, I know what you're saying, but like, to me, I feel that if G2 can just do what they did so well when they played around Draven bot lane and even Lucian bot lane, which is the like mid-prio into bot dive. Yeah, but Niski will always draft champs that can push early. Like and I also third. just think they banned, they banned Draven and I don't think Lucian is as strong. No, I mean, but I, I the Draven doesn't matter in this context. Yeah, it's yeah. more about the- Playing around bot lane. What G2 did like incredibly effectively last split was they they dove pot every game. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's, that's why but it was they, really interesting listening mm -hmm. to pundits talk about Hansam where they're like, yeah, Hansama looks like the best AD carry in the league, but when you have your whole team diving for your bot wave, like on like every wave where you have an opportunity to dive and he's giving all these resources, of course you're going to look like the best AD carry in the mm, league, right? Yeah. And it's it's one of those things where, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Hansama. Obviously, he's great. It's yeah, super he's talented great. Obviously AD a carry, top AD, no question. But like it's, it's very different, our conversation about Hansama this split to last split, right? Like we have not been talking about Hans as much as we have. And that's very muted. That's yeah. not to say that he has like been playing super poorly or that he's like playing super insanely well either. It's that G2 is just not playing through him as much as they did. Well, um, and even before bot lane, even without diving bot tower every time, there were a lot more 2v2 kills. It feels like to me, and I'd have to go back and check specifically, but there were they were a lot more explosive compared to other lanes in the previous split. And some of that is probably the meta changing, less of these like oppressive supports where if you mm. misstep once, they're going to have a lot of kill pressure on you. But um, My gut says G2, honestly, gentlemen. My, I feel like it's all going to come down to draft. Like Jinx, I don't know why I'm over-indexing on this, but I feel like if, if Mad don't get Jinx, G2 will probably win. But if G2 just be a bit sloppy in draft and give Mad the things they want, like roaming mid, like I mean, Vi, they Wukong. could. We could see a world also where... Uh, Cassante. I'll we also have a say very Mad's different bot game. meta. Mad's you know? mid game is also very good. Like, I was pretty... Like, I seem to remember their, their lane assignments when yeah. it was specifically against... Uh, Astralis, mm -hmm. they played him like a fiddle. But when like, they when they played Astralis and they were 10k up and they tried to siege this tier three three times in a row and yeah, got ace every time. Ending the game that, really bad. Man, yeah. ending the game is a bit of a, <laughs> yeah. a, bit of a tough task. Uh, Shout out to Kabe. But I like that mid game lane assignments. Like, yeah. do, you, do you think the winner of this series will be in the finals? Well, or then we have Vitality. to get into a conversation about Vitality. No, 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 like, no, I, no I we think, don't have time. I think there I think. are too many intangibles yeah. right now, is the big thing for me because, um, again, a lot of whether or not you believe in G2, I think comes down to things that we haven't seen from them, which are which is the intangible of caps showing up when it, when it, when it's time to show up. And G2 uh, and how much they've been experimenting versus like what is their actual meta read, blah, blah, blah. Like, so like my, I would predict G2 too because it feels safe because of G2's history. Yeah, exactly. Because of exactly, the players exactly. on G2's lineup. It's already not based because on of recent analysis. performance. Yeah, yeah, not exactly, because of exactly. recent performance. And that like, that analysis is still valid, I think. But when you look at MAD recently, they've got a clearer identity, it feels like to me. Um, and one, an easier identity to bet on to be sure. I think that's the yeah. thing. Like, I, yes. I think that if you look at recent performances, it's one of those things where my brain would say mad, my gut would say G2. Yeah. You know? Like where it's, um, there's a part of me that can't help but feel that G2 is just going to like fix everything yep. and then come into the best of fives and look good, but, you know, but it's, it's... I just think it's all down to draft. It, I think draft is yeah, a fair call too. Who has side selection? Um, it'll be the G higher seed. So I think it's G2. Ooh. Is there a higher seed? 
I think maybe they both came from separate groups. Maybe it's regular season. Yeah, finish. but I feel like again, maybe it might be a coin. It might be a coin toss. Because I could tell you, G two, oof, G two blue sides. Oof. Okay, regardless, because I think we can. We, we'll find out on the day on Friday. Um, the nitty gritty of the draft. Vitality is the next big one, and this is the interesting thing. Every team in our top four, except for BDS, feels so highly variable because the series from Vitality was a hot mess. Uh, again, and I think that while they will probably find more success against a team that is not bds with a lot of the ways that they want to play the game because again bds's big strength i think is that they're just so they're just like immovable object in mm-hmm. terms of how they play like they feel like an inevitability and a lot more of these like if you want to play more explosive more uh volatile lanes g2 and mad are both teams who will kind of meet you halfway well, the vitality to me were always this team that like individually they just you had to check them like yeah. right like because they just had incredibly strong players in every position i know that people have like mixed opinions on perks but i still think that like his laning is still very good i mean <laughs> even like in his... the game where he even in the first game of that series while that game as a whole looked pretty disastrous he was actually up pretty decent amount yes. in lanes we had the stats for game two yeah. i don't think we ever showed him but like he was he was doing great in lane uh and it's um game two is where he got dumpstered with the, the yeah. casio game into, two is the, yeah, is the dumpstering yeah, yeah, but yeah, game yeah. one was really good just funny thing uh just quick thing on Mad G2. I was just looking at it. The only time Mad have beaten G2 this year was when they played Talia support. They then lost in the best oh, of yeah, three. That game was a meme. They then lost in the best of five every game. I'm talking 2 0 So that's five. Then they lost in the regular season again this, this split. So like their track record against G2 this year is terrible. And the that, only time they beat them was the Talia support happy little cooking karma top game. That's like the thing that scares me about that is it doesn't to me mean that... Um, mad won't be able to beat g2 but it does mean to me if g2 win game one i'm instantly like oh, way more in favor of g2 because that's the kind of like that kind of record hurts mental and yeah, I, not to yeah. say that that's something that will directly affect mad but that's most, a fun stat we're gonna say on broadcast i'm sure good job, build a narrative out of it <laughs> make a graphic about it and we'll show that they're like losing every game and then we'll build like this narrative about it how they have like this insane mental block mad. against g2 they're mad. so strong can they overcome Resurgence. this mental block yeah that's exactly yeah, a banger to be fair if Mad just win the split, that's gonna like I could just Max just gonna walk out with two middle fingers to the sky and be like, "What's up now, MSI?" Yeah, we're sending first seed and fourth seed, Bam. same thing. And <laughs> then he's gonna roll up, losing plans, and do it again. Wait, no, we'll be in plans, right? Don't we I get an auto buy first? I don't believe uh, we do. So to get first and second, we need G two to win, win, then lose to BDS. Well, you did and the then format video. Surely you should tell us, ago, bro. I recorded that like whatever. I'm gonna talk about MSI. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, Going back to Vitality. Yeah, let's talk about Vitality because Vitality again, we're in the same boat where I don't know what to expect. So I was gonna say. Like they were a team that I thought originally before you could even compete with them, you had to skill check them. Yeah, you know? which I like, think is fair. You had to like come in at least being able to find a way to be able to compete with them on an individual level, but that didn't mean anything against BDS. <laughs> like with a good draft and like a good foundation, this team can just be shut down. And ultimately, I think that it boiled down to being able to mitigate what Bo can do and trying to break that jungle support synergy as much as possible, like putting them on mismatch ups so, or like putting them on something that doesn't allow them to work together. I, and and I said it before, but I just think that when Vitality get a lead and it's very easy for them to make, like when shot calling becomes simplified because there's a single strong member or a strong point to play around, I think this team looks much better. I mm-hmm. think when they fall behind, they look like, they have a lot of players who have the potential to like make crazy plays and turn the game around. But like we saw in that series, there's fights where Kaiser's hooking in, everyone else is collapsing on the flank. There's fights where they're super split on their engage. And I think again, when it's really simple for them, and they can just pull the trigger, start a fight, or there's like a super fed Lee who can just dictate the pace of the game. They look better. And I don't want to say it's communication issues. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's a language thing or what, but like a lot of the games where they start to lose, I just don't have faith in them in the way that I do uh, like 
G2 to a certain degree, if they have the right tools and draft or BDS yeah. to like come back in a team fight and really pull off a, like a, a moment of high coordination. That's why I think Vitality stomped Astralis because they love chaos. They love skirmishes anywhere. Anyone oh. starting a fight, they'll counter gank it. They'll force gank it. They'll force play. And Astralis like... are also the team who will just keep fighting you. Exactly. And if the flashes are down, they have, if someone loses flashes bots or you lose flashes in a bot to between a river, there's a window. And when that window opens, you can force it again. Whereas like against BDS, they were never really given many windows. Like they couldn't really find fights or force things. And when the yeah. game is in a slow pace, this is the thing that T1 struggled with against Genji as well. They just couldn't fight them. Like Genji, eventually they just outfought them. And then uh, they were the ones making the plays. They were the ones like dictating how Baron's setup would be and stuff like this. And then they could never find a way back into the game because they didn't make mistakes. And uh, Vitality did make mistakes because they get overeager, pushing sides or thinking that they own certain parts of the map. Um, but when the game is just like a constant brawl, you just go from fight to fight. You don't really think about towers. Let's not forget that the Vitality did 2-0 Matt as well. Yeah, I mean, like, it's true. And I know that Matt have evolved to a degree compared to that best of three. And it's not like losing and then winning is unheard of. But um, <sighs> Vitality is just a hard... It's it's really hard to this rate is... a team that's gone 0-3. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, this and, is... Like, I think that they, they could consider just um, playing an old Fnatic. And just, uh, oh, hey, Upset. So you like Jinx over there? How about we just, we just play around you a little bit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm going to say that, like, when they make Photon play, like, Malphite, he looks miserable. So I'm just like, while I... He's do, good on tanks, though, I think. I, while he is good on tanks, I'm like, time to play sound, baby. It's the Upset show once again. I'm, <laughs> honestly, I'm very down. I think utility for perks. I, I mean, think... you're looking at 80 carries, right? Like, Crown Shot, Upset. Han Summer, Kazi, like pretty stacked. It's pretty stacked. Did he carry stack? I mean, Bot some people will sit. I know some fans will be like, one of those is not like the other. Um, <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> um, but uh, I definitely upset think that... hasn't won a championship. <laughs> That's fucking crazy, That's isn't it? Yeah. Like I don't know why people are so quick to dismiss Kazi <laughs> entirely. Like, yeah, he has low lows, but he has high highs, guys. That's true. That he does for Kazi. Um, It'll be exciting though. Yeah, I mean, okay, Mr. Caster. <laughs> I mean, I, I, agree. I just think it's grueling to be the first team. Like, you have yeah, to play three best of fives in three days, and you have turnaround this times. This is mad to do it again. This is the yeah. closest <laughs> top four we've had in a while. This is the top four where I'm like, it, you can make a case for any one of these teams winning the play the play the. Wait, but wasn't it actually mad? Mad mad into five games against SK. Didn't they then three zero Koi? Was it three one? Three one, I think it was. It may have been a three one, and then they lost. G two three zero in the finals, right? Yeah. So um, I think. Let me check. Are BDS the favorites to win the whole thing right now? Well, it's easy to say right now. Yes. I feel like you can't make a prediction until until Sunday. But like, I need yeah, to see. Like, I need to see G two play. Like, because yeah. to me, they're the next. Yep. They're agree. the team that's most likely to beat them. Only, but again, a lot of that is based off their history. Because I know these players very yeah, well. It's, it's what they're. I, it's their ceiling, not where they're at. Currently. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's the ceiling, and that's the most important thing. Because I do think the G two ceiling is incredibly high. Which also makes predictions bad. Because yeah, it's like, it's I, really I, you, do you predict for the ceiling? Do you predict where they're at? If we predict where they're at right now, BDS are the best team from what we've seen on stage. Oh, yeah. And that's easy because they just three out somebody. But if we want to talk about where they're going to be, where they're going to end up, BDS coming at the same level, but we see Super Saiyan caps. That's suddenly a a much different story yeah. much harder matchup the drafts could completely change as well they could yeah. literally just be scion jinx players kind just try to out lane. oh i want to see it i can call you already bds game one in the finals scion jinx lane swap i can see it already <laughs> <Stop>. I just, <laughs> don't, I do it. It. don't do it don't do it don't do it surely not right could actually well, could work 
I mean, yeah. Sion, that's the two champions you absolutely have to have to make a lane swap work. So. You could also play Nasus into Sion, by the way. I'm <gasps> just saying. You can't interrupt his Q or just stop lane him from clearing the wave. But I, 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 don't, I don't. Just lane swap and dive the necessary. Yeah. <laughs> bro. Oh, yeah. All right. Anyway. Did you know if you turn Nasus around, it spells Susan? I did. <laughs> Do you know, I think over the course of my career, he said that to me probably a hundred times. I love calling him Susan. Susan is good. It's an OG <laughs> classic. Susan's charging down the team fight. <laughs> BDS are the top boss. We'll see who faces them. The important thing is, is I think that every series... Uh, is up for debate right now. We'll see what level the teams come in at. It's so gonna we're going to be really ambiguous casters and not die on any hill? I don't think that I... I'm dying on the BDS hill. BDS to MSI. BDS to MSI? I'm dying BDS on BDS G2 to MSI? Yep, that's my prediction. Actually, it's the last episode, isn't it? So yep. there won't be any, any more LAC episodes. Yeah, let's yep. just put up balls on the table. There what you are you going to say? All the hindsight <laughs> and get like it out. Well, what is a good way of phrasing it? <laughs> yeah. just say, just Put all the cards on the table. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah, that was that weird. That off the table. Let's yeah. cut that. Um, <laughs> so you're saying BDS win the split? Yeah, I'm saying BDS win the split. A safe, easy prediction, right? God, it does feel good. Yeah, it it feels right. Is there it because I believe in the story? Andy's. Is it because I want to believe? I expect to see that Reddit thread of holding Vettius account. Have you ever seen the okay. I want to believe bumper sticker with a picture of oh UFO? Oh my God, imagine if we it's also that helped. with a picture of Crowny from <laughs> yeah, me. I, just, I, I want to believe, to believe. It's such a good story. When will we hold Perks accountable though? Oh my yeah. God. Oh my God. <laughs> That's a good point. We need to hold Perks accountable. <laughs> I will say that at the end of his career, I do think we should put a little tombstone in the side lane for him. You know what I mean? When he decides to retire and step away, like the way we should commemorate him is like Perks. You finally know, held accountable. Fine, no, not finally held accountable, but like... <laughs> no, we should have Yasuo's sword next to the Raptors Yasuo's on, red, on blue sword side. next on blue to... Side, ooh, Raptors. for the meat grinder. No, I think the... I think I think his iconic move in his career is winning, which is a great move. His second most iconic move, dying in a side lane. So I just, you know, I'm no, just saying... No, it's not pressing Oops. R on Trindamir. That one was funny. That's, that was... The one. thing is, when your career is so successful and so long... I mean, you I think so many memes. moments. Honestly, yeah. like, if Perks had a little memorabilia, it would be like... Uh, some sort of like a beach attire i feel like a beach oh for hat. the vacation because oh, okay. he was okay. the original so what right? we're learning is that if your career is long enough <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of fuel for the, yeah. for the potential career ending meme fire you yeah. know don't forget the renekton mid where he went like zero four zero five. Oh, you, well, you are, are you just like holding the book of he was there. Yeah, yeah, i remember that there was, there was, there was you know memes I mean? on the name yeah good old perks shout out perks there's no flame to perks by the way he's had a, a great yeah impressive career and we'll see sure. if he can he make may it very well turn it around it could be bds vitality rematch in the finals that would also be hype. i'd, I'd love that i don't know just who's winning the split every series well, predict one games. mark who's gonna win put predict, your predict. cards on, on the, the table. table i'll say um i'll say vitality I'll take the easy one and say G2 then. Okay, nice. One of us is going to be wrong, right? Matt's going to win. <laughs> if Matt wins the whole thing, then we just cash the curse away. It is lucky episode number 13. Although, oh, Crowny nice. was on Euphoria. Look what happened in that yeah, weekend. Yeah, by the way, this is so the most troll. am I going to win next week? <laughs> this is my favorite thing ever. If you are in the comments and you're like, oh boy, Euphoria curse, just what are you talking about? Crowny just Every time someone does the math, it's completely different. It's just <laughs> a podcast, guys. They make it to scrims on time. It has no it supernatural the powers. Podcasts, Say I love Susan in the comments. Thank you very much. So he's, I know. He's, he's meant to be a YouTuber. So he's ready. He's yeah, good, stay in the comments. It's for the algorithm, anyway, guys. Thank schedule. you. <laughs> it's behind us over here. There's a lot of names on it, but what it says: Friday, 17:30, CEST, ready check, and then G2 versus Mad starting at 6 p.m. Saturday, uh, 17:45, Vitality versus the winner of that first one. Sunday, same thing again, 5:30. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's the big thing. All the times mostly the same. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, not Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Be there Friday. 
Uh, um, I'm playing us out uh, with the music that no one is. Thank you. <laughs> Opening <Okay>. ceremony, <laughs> gonna be a banger. We'll find out who can take down BDS, boom, boom. or if they can. Boom, boom, boom. This is the final you week of the now, LCS the music, spring. MSI around the corner. Play us off, Phil. Everyone just keep saying, say random things, and Phil will fade us out. Fade us out. Don't play Lucian Nami. Kadrel is a freestyle god, but he's afraid to show it on the podcast. Beatboxing legend. Remember, you can use your prime to use your prime. I'm just hoping that Phil has already played us out at this point. Phil has hopefully played us out. We're not still going. Bye. Just say something DMCA-able and then they'll cut us. Oh, yeah. What's the DMCA thing? Let's.